right, everybody. Welcome to another Stop and Chat. We have a fun one today. I'm looking forward to this one because we're going to be discussing one of my favorite topics, actually, and it is professional wrestling. What we're going to do today is we're going to go through 1990 1995 and discuss anything and everything that we remember from that time stuff that you know stood out to us wrestlers that stood out matches feuds whatever and uh yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun and i have will here with me will is a uh, big wrestling fan i'm excited to see you know some of your picks i know you're kind of into new japan a little bit more than i am and we'll see what we can get into cool look forward to it yeah, I know you through uh through Eric. Eric actually um introduced us you and your wife so um, probably 10 years ago or so and we've kind of always kept up a little bit on social media and Yeah. Uh my little boy is starting to wear some of your kids <laughs> clothes that you guys gave us. Oh, he's that's finally right. Yeah, he's finally at that age where he can actually fit into some of them. So uh what got you into wrestling? I mean, what's what's the big like the first thing you can remember as far as what is this? I have to, you know, dig in a little more and see what this is all about. Let me think. So I was born back in 1980. And so I think, you know, all of us kids that were born in the 80s, um, we probably remember, you know, Hogan and Andre and like, you know, the first WrestleMania, like it was just kind of part of pop culture. Right. And there was like the kids cartoon with Hogan and all those other guys, Junkyard Dog. <laughs> the rock and wrestling and all that yeah Yeah. all that stuff so i mean i kind of vaguely remember that i even had the uh the little thumb wrestlers if you remember those yes they had like a (laughs) a hole in their back yes i do yeah i do they were uh they were like rubber i think like galoob or somebody made them yeah yeah so i think i had those uh but i didn't really watch it on tv i didn't even know what channel to watch it on when i was a little kid it was just kind of around um in the eighties and late eighties. Um, but I think for me, it was somewhere around the, somewhere around 90. Um, I feel like it was kind of in the fall. Um, and it was like a, maybe a WCW clash of the champions that just suddenly was on. Yeah. And, um, it was like the whole thing with, uh, sting and the black scorpion, which is probably embarrassing to bring up. But at the time, it was like, oh, my gosh, what is this? <laughs> Who is the Black Scorpion? Yeah, That's right. It was so ominous. And then, of course, you know, Sting was just automatically looked super cool with the neon colors and the face paint, the blonde hair, all that stuff. Who was the so, Black Scorpion? Wasn't, wasn't it Flair? Or? It was. It was Flair. I think yeah. it was supposed to be maybe somebody else, like, you know, more of a surprise, and maybe it fell through. And so they just there is a Flair. There is a backstory to that, and I, I can't remember it, but yeah, I think you're right. It was supposed to be someone else, and uh, just give it to Flair, you know? Yeah. I think I think that's during the time that Sting uh, blew his knee out, too. Like, he was trying to climb the cage or something, and... That's right, because I said it was somewhere in 90, because I guess they were they were going to... They were building him up to kind of be the big, uh, you know, young, new world champion or whatever, and I guess he was going to get it before Warrior got his. Mm-hmm. Um and then he yeah blew his knee out and they had to kind of postpone it and um so i guess he won it in what great american bash summertime of 90 or something yeah against flair yeah that's it's funny because that's i was born in 83 and you know okay i was kind of like you always knew about everybody knew about hulk hogan it didn't matter you you could not even know what he really did and you knew the name hulk hogan you know it was that big at that time but um the first memory I have of wrestling is I think it was a lead up to what was it? 
I'm looking here on my notes because I had it written down. It was WrestleMania 7, the lead up to WrestleMania 7, where it was oh, Hogan gosh. against Slaughter. Oh, my gosh. That was my first uh, pay-per-view ever bought. That was that was really? a cool show. I remember that was when Slaughter became a uh, Iraqi sympathizer. <laughs> yeah. When you're a kid, that was, you know, like, you know, you wanted to boo him. But now as an adult, it's like, ah, that's pretty bad taste. <laughs> that's kind of rough. Yeah. I mean, that was in the middle of the, you know, Gulf War. and. image i have is uh, i guess it was the lead up to that match like hogan was walking backstage and sergeant slaughter like ambushed him and threw fire in his face do you remember oh, that i do i remember that that's like the first thing i remember and i also remember seeing sting fighting ravishing rick rude on tv but i can't remember like any context oh, or anything that's that's got to be one of my favorite memories because that would have been like around i guess 91 or 90 two it was but yeah it was, it was a clash. one yeah and i yeah I, I remember loving that i think uh rude like injured his knee or something and then um sting was like you know on one leg trying to have the match and it was just yes. the crowd was high it was great i knew <laughs> the exact match you're talking about because i remember the pop from the crowd was massive because they sent oh, yeah. sting to the hospital that's right sting was wearing and, the pink tights <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the neon pink tights yeah and Rude was in the ring, like, you know, saying, ah, he's going to. Well, that's right. We're going to count him out or whatever. And Sting that's comes right. hobbling Paulie, up. The... Right. He had Paulie dangerously. Like, yeah, you're Paulie. Ha- point all the little stingers. <laughs> Your hero is not going to make it. And I remember, um, oh, the crowd was so hot that night. And then, like, yeah. uh, Rick Rude, like, met him on the ramp and Sting, like, mm. press slammed him. I, I remember that clear as day. Yeah. That was such a awesome time. And plus, that was when they had the. Um, I love the entrance ramps that are level with the ring. Same here. Those were awesome. Those I don't know so why they cool. don't do that more often. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've ever seen the WWF or WWE do that. Um, it is cool mm-hmm. that uh, AEW's kind of brought that back for some of their shows. I did see that. Yeah, Cody Rhodes almost killed himself on it. But if you I saw that see, clip, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> it was ironic because when I was um, watching some stuff this morning, I was it was um, I was watching I think it was Beach Blast and it was uh, from like '92 and it was Brian Pillman and Scotty Flamingo and uh, uh, Raven, right? Did, that's right. Yeah, it would be yeah. Raven, and uh, he basically did the same move that Cody Rhodes would do, like you know, almost 20 years later, and face planted on the ramp. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> like, oh man, that's the same thing. They forget how high it is. I guess I don't know, but. So let's get into it. I mean, as okay. far as like like TV shows, like what were some of the main wrestling shows that you remember watching and not wanting to miss? And Man. I mean, I, WCW Worldwide, I remember that one pretty vividly. So Worldwide was that was usually the what syndicated show. I think it was like on Saturday night on the Shreveport station, if I remember right. Um, Does that sound right? Well, that was that was WCW Saturday night. Worldwide, I think was. Well, Saturday night would have been like it would have been like six oh five on TBS or something. Yeah, worldwide was either Sunday night or like Saturday morning. I can't remember. Let's I think was, I think it was in the evening, maybe on Sundays. Maybe so. Well, they also had let's see, Sunday night TBS was uh, main event. 
That's right. WCW. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. I knew and one was on was, Sunday uh, evening. WCW Power Hour on Saturday mornings because I could remember getting up to watch that. <laughs> yeah. So many of those shows. I mean, you had to really kind of plan stuff because there was no DVR. I mean, mm-hmm. you didn't want to miss anything, right? We could set your uh, VHS tape or something and pray it actually records, but yeah well the other thing too is um you know if you didn't uh if you didn't get the pay-per-view or if you missed something like you know you're gonna hope that you could see some still photos and find out the results on saturday morning or saturday night because wcw saturday night what they would oh wait it wasn't saturday night it was main event because they would have it on sunday evenings like i said oh yeah and it would also be the build-up show to the pay-per-views and i remember i remember i don't know why i remember this but i remember watching it as a kid and it was the lead up to it was the pre-show to the Halloween Havoc match that had the Chamber of Horrors. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I didn't understand the concept of pay-per-view as a kid. I was like, OK, so they're going to show it. Yeah. And then it just died. And I was so upset. I didn't understand you had to buy it, yeah. you know. And man, when you're a kid, like 20 bucks, I mean, shoot, <laughs> who has 20 bucks? Yeah, I think I think my age is the only demographic that would have actually enjoyed the chamber of horrors match because it was so bad at the time. I, it seemed like it would be so cool when you're a kid. And then I just actually just recently watched it back and yeah, they couldn't do very much because there was that big thing right in the middle of the ring. And so it was just a bunch of kind of lazy brawling, which for those who don't know, it was a kind of a cage match. It was kind of set up like the hell in the cell in a way. The, the cage was separated from the ring sitting on the floor Yeah, and the goal, I think it was like 20 minutes in a chamber would lower and it would have a, um, what, what did it have in it? Like an oh, uh, electric chair, an electric chair. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, is perfectly logical. That's right. And, uh, one, it was like four against four or five against five. The other team would try to set somebody in the electric chair and flip the switch and it would electrify the guy. The funny thing about it is the switch kept falling. Did you notice that? I did not. Watching the background, like the lever constantly falls. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and the ref eventually has to climb the cage to hold it up there because it's such a piece of junk. <laughs> it keeps falling apart. But uh, I believe they end up electrifying uh, Abdullah the Butcher. That's right. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, it was Rick yeah. Steiner kind of suplexed him into the chair, which was probably the coolest <laughs> thing in the whole match. The other thing that was funny was when they started lowering the chamber, um, I guess Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, was in the middle of the ring, and they started lowering the chamber, and he's laying on his back or something, and, uh, like, it's about to squash him. Somebody starts pulling (laughs) on the the chamber, too. Yeah, they're trying to kill the guy. But um, I guess WCW Saturday Night was, like, the biggest show for me, which that was their big show. That was their big TV show every week. They, um... It's kind of crazy when you think about it because it was just like in this little studio, like in center stage in Atlanta. And I mean, they were putting on like Flair versus Steamboat sometimes. And I mean, they put on some great matches in there. They really did in that small place. And, you know, the crowd was really hot, like a couple hundred people, basically. Yeah. And they they moved it to uh, Disney for like a summer do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Like, it's, it's interesting when you look at the, the stuff now and kind of find out what happened. I guess, like, they started losing a bunch of money in, uh, like, what, 93. I guess they were always kind of losing money. And then uh, when uh, Bischoff took over in 94, mm-hmm. um, that was a cost-cutting move, I guess. Like, let's move it to Disney. It's kind of fixed in one place. People yeah. are just going to show up, and, yeah, we'll tell them who to cheer for and who to boo for. 
That's that's what it was. Yeah, it was at the MGM Studios and one of the sound stages they have. And yeah, the people in the audience were basically people on a Disney vacation. That's right. You shuffle, shuffle in there and watch them wrestle. <laughs> remember they had the rotating ring. Oh yeah. yeah Do you remember yeah. that? That was so stupid. I never understood that. But yeah. I mean, I guess then, it looks cool. But well, yeah, I guess. Uh, but. Then of course, uh, WWF Superstars. That was always a a big show to watch. That so came was on Saturday. Was that the Saturday morning one? Because um, also that there was that like primetime wrestling one, which came before. That was you know predates Raw. That was on yeah. USA at night, like Monday or Tuesday night. I can't remember. I want to say it was Tuesday. Yeah, probably so because Monday, you know, you're competing against football. But I mean, I guess they do it now. So yeah. And Clash of Champions, I think you already mentioned that. That was, you know, 90 through 95 especially. They were on, like, I think once a month or so, or once every couple months. Yeah, those were the best. I mean, if if you're a poor kid that, you know, is not getting the pay-per-views, that's like your <laughs> yeah. pay-per-view. I can remember it was yeah. like, whatever, like whatever I had going on, you know, cancel baseball practice, like don't go to the birthday party, whatever it was, like go home and watch Clash of the Champions and record it. You do not miss a Clash. Yeah, and they were usually really good, too. I mean... And uh, Monday Nitro debuted during this time period, and um, yeah. WWF Raw. So that's when it really started picking up. And um, it did. I'm sure we'll um, we'll dive a little bit more into like Nitro and stuff like that on our next episode. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because ninety through ninety five is really different than when things really got kind of crazy, you know, from ninety six to you know two thousand. Yeah. So what would you say you watched? Like the majority of what you watch during ninety through ninety five, was it mostly WCW or a little bit of everything or what? Uh, WCW was definitely kind of my home team, uh, but I would watch yeah. all of the WWF stuff. Like usually, I get obsessive about whatever my hobby is, and so if it was wrestling and it was on TV, I'd watch it. So there was yeah, all the WWF shows, which I think they were all in USA except for like what Saturday night's main event, whenever yeah. that would pop up. Yeah, and kind of kind of same yeah. with me. I was a hardcore WCW fanboy, pretty much. It was the, oh, cool. when it when it was like WCW versus WWF. I was always on the WCW side. Same here. And, until uh, until like the late late nineties, then I was like, okay, this is horrible. Oh, I can't. Oh my <laughs> it gosh. got so bad. It yeah. did. Well, so I'm curious. So what what made WCW kind of your like what? Why did you prefer it to the WWF when you were a kid? I guess it was my first exposure. I mean, mm-hmm. that that was really the first thing I got into. You know, I I I don't know because I mean, WWF at the time really appealed to kids more. For sure, and it should have appealed to us larger than life characters and, you know, yeah. everything was really turned up to 11. Mm. I don't know, there was something about I mean, you know, Sting was a big selling point. I mean, to a lot of kids and I I honestly, if Sting hadn't have been there, I don't think I would have lasted long at the beginning with WCW. Yeah, I think so. Same here. Well, so so, he, so who are your favorites at the time in WCW that just like, you know, got your attention? I mean, Sting, Rick Rude. I I was a massive Rick Rude fan. Like I I thought he was like the perfect bad guy. Oh, um, for sure. The the taunt the crowd at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. That was just the best. <laughs> yeah, sit down and shut up. Um his tights were always awesome, which was, I know it's a weird thing to really like. I don't know. It was, it was, that's some attention to detail. <laughs> oh, man. He had he had custom tights for like every feud, every yeah. pay-per-view. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but he was such a great bad guy. Uh, Big Van Vader oh, was for sure. a huge, huge selling point. 
So yeah, I mean that them and I mean every you know once I saw them and it kind of drew me in. That's when I started really kind of expanding my uh, my knowledge a little bit about the roster and got into a lot more guys. And we'll talk about yeah we'll talk about that a little later as far as like a list of guys that really just oh, define sure. that era for us. Now, but how about, um, um, how about other TV shows at the time? Because like I was, I guess I was going to say like if it was wrestling, I would watch it. So there was. Yeah, uh, ESPN had shows like some of the different sports networks had different like indie groups. Did you watch any of that? I remember watching an indie promotion on. Um, gosh, I don't remember what channel it was. I cannot remember who they were for the life of me, but it would just randomly come on. Like it was some local. I think it was somewhere based in Texas, maybe. Oh, it's. I'm guessing it was probably the stuff they had on ESPN. I don't even Pro- remember probably, the day of the week, uh, but it would be like after school. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, no. that was good stuff. I remember because I can remember watching that early on and seeing uh, Steve Austin before he came to WCW. And I wow, was like, really? Oh yeah, it's this guy you know from Texas that's been on the. It would have been like <laughs> USWA, I think. That is awesome. Yeah. What well, I think another thing that got me into wrestling a lot was shortly after I kind of discovered it, I discovered that a wrestler went to my church. Oh no way! Yeah, you might get a kick out of this dr death steve williams yes yeah i would see him in the aisle all the time and my dad said you know he's a wrestler and i was like i I finally saw him on tv one time i'm like oh my gosh man that's that's the guy that sits in the pew at church if you (laughs) in front of me so i uh i went up to him one time and i asked for his autograph and he (laughs) he autographed the inside of my bible (laughs) 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 which now i look back at it i'm like i don't know if that's good or bad (laughs) but he did so what and, time uh, period would that have been? Was that like somewhere in the nineties? Uh, like ninety two, maybe ninety three, something oh, like that's that. Crazy because he was yeah in WCW around that time period. Yeah, and he was in um, probably doing some tours in Japan too. He was back and forth a lot. Yeah, without um, getting too off track, did you ever see any of his Japan stuff? Yes. Yeah. Good grief. <laughs> um, he was a monster. I mean, I think he fit it so well. He fit that style, and he just. He looked like a monster compared to most of them, but yeah, like his stuff with uh, like Kenta and all that. Oh my gosh, was yeah, Makes great. My neck he, hurt just thinking he almost about it. <laughs> yeah. those belly to back suplexes were. Oh uh, my gosh, rough. Yeah. But um, wow, that's yeah, that's awesome. just the nicest guy, and uh, he actually spoke at my. I did high school wrestling, and he spoke at our banquet. No in way. 2001, he showed up and he spoke at that, and I think I was the only guy who knew who he was. So I was like marking out like crazy, <laughs> like oh my god, <laughs> it's Doctor Death, and I talked to him for a few minutes, and uh, just a super nice guy, and I thought that was kind of cool. You never know, he might show up at your church. I guess I don't know. That is awesome. How about like live events? Did you go to a lot as a kid, or I did. Um, like it, uh, like I think that probably made it like really. What do you? What would you say? Like solidified it. Like I think I went to WCW. First show would have been like in 91 and then probably again in 92 and 93 and just every year, basically, um, I would go to Monroe. So then when they come to the Monroe Civic Center. Oh, okay. Um, and so, you know, first you get like the cheap seats, like, uh, and then after going once and getting like cheap seats, then it was like, oh, no, 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 I got to spend money. And, and they were so <laughs> cheap. Like, like at the time, I, I can remember getting like on the floor seats, like, maybe six rows back and it was less than 10 bucks for a ticket. It's crazy. Really? 
I think yeah. now they charge like 150 bucks a pop if oh, you want to get floor God. seats or something. It's crazy. How about you? Did you go to the shows back in back when you were I I did some research yesterday. I found my first show because there's a website. It's called Cage Side Something. I'll have to oh, tell yeah. you about it. It's you know, you start, yeah, I, I they have everything. The day. You could find like uh, like basically go back and find the dates of the shows you went to, right? House shows, everything. They say who won and everything. And um, yeah, it was in August of 1992. It was at the Hirsch Coliseum in ah. Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, some of the matches, Ricky Steamboat against Steve Austin, Rick Rude against Nikita Koloff, uh, Sting versus Jake the Snake. So this is right after Jake Roberts jumped yeah. over to WCW. Do you remember that? And he like DDT'd Sting like eight times or something. <laughs> it was great. I think he might have even done it on a chair. I feel like yeah, he that did. Was maybe the same tour. That probably was the same show that they would have done in Monroe, like probably the day before or the day after. Pro- probably the same matches and everything. Yeah. And uh, the main event was Ron Simmons against Vader. So man, that's good and stuff. I, I remember that. I was little, man. And um I remember when my dad said, you know, we're going to it. I didn't even know what to ex- I didn't even understand what it was. I thought I'm like are they having a TV show there? Are they filming it or Oh yeah. I didn't know what a house show was. So yeah, I was just blown away. That's always the assumption when you're a kid. I can remember like my friends say it like, "Could you hear the announcers when you went?" I'm like, "Well, yeah. no, there's no announcers." <laughs> like yeah (laughs) yeah and we would um we would always go to wcw they because wwf never really came to shreveport for years i mean i think the first wwf show i can remember going to was like in 2000 2001 i think oh wow probably like century tail center or something yeah at that point it was shortly after it opened and it was 100 percent sold out the main event was uh rock and austin Holy cow, in Shreveport? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's when they really used to tour hard. But They came to like, the Monroe Civic Center, I feel like, once when I was young. So it would have been like 90, 91, or 92, somewhere in there. And that's the only time I can remember coming to, yeah, like Monroe back in the 90s. I wonder, I wonder who was main eventing that. Like, I don't think Hogan ever did house shows. Did he? I don't know. Probably only bigger ones. I feel like... Um, I feel like there was a steel cage involved. I've always wanted to see a cage match live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I saw I saw Hell in a Cell at uh, Mania uh, 32. Oh, that's right. You went. Was that in New Orleans or in uh, Astrodome? That was in uh, AT&T Stadium. Oh, shoot. That's right. I I met, I don't know if I talked to you guys about going to it. Like, um, I think I was interested at the time, and then I saw ticket prices, and I was like, Nah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I went with a, another guy. I know that he was like, he's like, you want to go to WrestleMania? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, I got tickets. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's Dang, go. That's um, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with it. So, um, it was a good time. It was pretty good. But yeah, I have vivid memories of like going to you know anytime Monday Nitro would come, which they came here a couple times, I think. Yeah, I went to. Um, I think I went to both of them in the Monroe Civic Center. Did you actually go to those? Hmm? Oh no way! That's awesome. Well, I went. I went to the ones here. Oh, they like had, ni- did they Nitro came. Yeah, it might have only come once, but they, I think they only came once. They did like a, uh, they did a Monday Nitro and Thunder taping like back to back. It was oh. like it was like late nineties. It was like near the end. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I kind of checked out like somewhere in ninety nine. I th- I feel like it was. <laughs> yeah. 
Because it just got so bad at WCW, which it, it kind of broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, but, it it kind of fell apart. But I suppose we can really dwell on that on the next podcast, though. Oh, man, let's let's totally go into the death of WCW. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, trying to think of any more live events, anything memorable that happened. I mean, I, I remember, for some reason, Flair was such a goof at like all the live events. Like he had this thing where at almost every live show, he would have the guy he's wrestling basically yank his trunks down. I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. It's like, like he would go for like a, a small package and like he would just, and it was just like, dude, there's like kids out here, man. So that's all me and my friend Vincent would talk about. We would think it was hilarious that Flair basically mooned the crowd. And I was like, okay. Yeah, when I think of live shows, like I think there's always like spots in the matches where somebody gets, you know, there's a punch and somebody spits in the air and the crowd just goes nuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Big spray of spit in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any more, I mean, any more like live events that, that weren't WCW or WWF? Did you go to like any indie stuff or? Let's see. Let me think. Back in the nineties, um, nah, I feel like it. In a, it, yeah, it was. I guess only WCW. Um, the crazy thing is, there were probably indie promotions that were through there all the time, and it was probably full of guys that you were like, man, I wish I'd have caught that, you know? Oh, for sure. And of course, there wasn't really any, you know, proper internet to speak of back then, where you would have found out. So you would have, you only kind of found out from watching the TV shows and finding finding out, you know. You know, Friday, August, whatever. Welcome to the Monroe <laughs> Civic Center. You know, um, yeah. The cool thing, you know, when you go there for the first time is when you see the ring, right? Isn't that just the coolest feeling? You're like, oh my gosh, it's <laughs> the coolest feeling. And I remember WCW especially. It was so shocking how small it was. It was a smaller ring. I didn't I, at the time. I was like, man, it, it it looks small. And then I guess I subsequently found out they they did use a much smaller ring than WWF used. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, when you see, and when you see the guys come down the aisle and get in the ring, and it's just the coolest thing. When you, I mean, it still <laughs> is now as yeah. an adult, but especially when you're you know ten or twelve or fifteen or whatever. I remember Lex Luger gave me a high five. That was the highlight of my night. No <laughs> way. <laughs> well, he did. It was later nineties. It was when he was in the Wolf Pack. Oh yeah, he, he actually did the uh, oh the thing. too sweet thing the, or whatever. the too sweet thing. <laughs> That's so awesome. I thought that was I thought that was the greatest thing ever. So you were but, ringside. Um, yeah, yeah. That's when it was still affordable. So, wow. but I, now like I do I, know that there was. Um, I know there was like a little indie group that ran out of the Monroe Civic Center at some point in the '90s that they would air on like KNOE. It was pretty dark and low budget, and yeah, uh, there wasn't much to it. Um, now, of course, you're growing up in Shreveport. Like we totally missed out on like what was going on in the '80s, right? Because that was Mid South Wrestling at yes. operating out of what the, either the Hirsch or Memorial Coliseum. Like it was or the, um, super hot, right? Yeah, like the Municipal and stuff like that. I mean, my um, my uncle Randy used to talk about that all the time. How he used to go to all of them, and I mean, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and um, Doctor Death. I yeah, mean, he was huge and. Tons of guys came through here, and um, yeah, I mean, Shreveport has a lot of history with professional wrestling, for sure. Now, just so I'm curious, so did uh, did your like did your dad get you into it, or your family, or had it? You know, I don't think my dad was ever a huge fan of it. He he watched it because I watched it, basically. Like he, oh, that's cool. you know, he he kind of got into it a little bit because he knew I was into it. 
That's and cool. I came from like a super, super, I mean, I very conservative family. So it was like, <laughs> I was always hoping that nothing would happen. That was like, okay, Medusa, get off the screen uh, quick. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, but, the, you know, I was always able to watch it. WCW was kind of the safer show. That's true. Yeah, um, for the most part. Oh, especially, especially when you got and, into the later 90s. Yeah. Well, they kind of started getting into that, too, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah, um, I, I had probably a similar situation, except, um, yeah, my parents never watched it, were never into it. Uh, they didn't care about the violent part, but, yeah, if if there was a girl in a bikini or something like that on TV, yes, that, was, that would have been a big no-no. But, yeah, I mean, people, <laughs> you know, beating each other to a bloody pulp, yeah, that's fine. Because yeah. because it's fake, right? <laughs> yeah, it's fake. Those are blood capsules. Huh? If they if they had known how they actually bled, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess maybe we, I don't know if we want to spoil it for the uh, the people listening, but yeah, that that is pretty gross when you kind of find out the whole story. <laughs> Nick their head. Yeah. But no, my my dad would watch it with me because I th- I think he kind of got a kick out of it too. But uh, he was he was really big into like hacksaw and which that's another guy that was huge down here like in the eighties hacksaw Jim Duggan. Man, like once I was kind of a a, a bit of a, a a snob on my wrestling, I thought like I remember seeing him when he was in Monroe, and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be lame. But man, like <laughs> the crowd was so into him, and and I everybody was too. loves like, him. Like he didn't have to do anything other than punching and kicking and like <laughs> saying ho, and I mean it was great. <laughs> I think that's all he did. He I remember him punching, kicking, body slamming, and then doing the running shoulder tackle. I think that was his entire arsenal right there. I know. It got even worse when he went into WCW because, I mean, it just was like, you know, there wasn't much to it. But, I mean, yeah, just just his presence was enough, I mean, to rile the crowd up. Oh, for sure. Like, what you, you already talked about your first pay-per-view. Um, yeah. You said it was WrestleMania 7, I think you said? Yeah, that was Hogan and Slaughter and, uh, what, Savage and Warrior, which was pretty Which was cool. classic. Yeah, yeah. I, my first one was a little bit later. And it was it was the very first uh, uncensored WCW uncensored. Ooh! So that was like ninety four, ninety five, maybe. Ooh, that's a rough period, in yeah. my opinion. <laughs> that had the uh, the King of the Road match. You remember that? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I do remember that. <laughs> Where it was Dustin Rhodes and the Blacktop Bully, I think. Uh, yeah, who... I think it was the guy who used to be what Axe in Demolition or something. I think it was Repo Man, wasn't it? Yeah, same guy. Yeah. Oh, is that the same guy? Okay, yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been repackaged many times. <laughs> I love the Repo Man. Um, well, that yeah, that that was from the period in WWF where everybody had like a, pro- a profession, right? <laughs> You're an IRS agent, a Repo Man, a plumber. There was there was a plumber. Yeah. Uh, there a little later on there was uh, the Trash Man. Oh my god. Duke gosh. the Dumpster. Yeah. The <laughs> like there was. <laughs> yeah. I loved IRS. I know. <laughs> yeah, that, those are those are great gimmicks. Well, so Money Incorporated. Well, so I guess I can share that, like, uh, like early on, like you know, I really wanted to watch those pay per views so bad, and I didn't have any money. And then at some point, around maybe ninety three, I think it was, I kind of figured out how to fool around with the cable box and the TV, <laughs> and kind of get the scrambled version of the pay per views. You oh man, this is this is going to be ten minutes right here. Yes, <laughs> you could turn to the channel back in the day, and you could hear the entire show. You couldn't see anything. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, no. What, what you're what you're talking about? It's the exact same thing. It so, was scrambled. Oh, mine. I could I could hear it in the video. It was like it would come in and out, and it would go like at some point you'd have like the actual color video, then oh, suddenly wow, it might be the black that. and white, and then suddenly it might just be like you know static. <laughs> but like the audio never dropped out, and you could always see I follow the match and you know pretty much tell everything that was going on. Yes. See, I couldn't see anything. You're oh, lucky. Like I could see the like these. Version. I could see like these really distorted images that might be a wrestler punching somebody. I don't know. But it was basically like a radio show. And I would sit there for three hours or whatever it is, listening to this entire pay-per-view. I remember listening to it when uh, Hogan turned at Bash at the Beach. And just listening to it made me even matter because it sounded so much worse than maybe what it was on screen. But um. Man, I used to do that all the time. Yeah, that that was fun. Actually, it was kind of fun listening to it and That's imagining what's happening. Yeah, he's got a rear chin lock, holding, holding, <laughs> yeah. still holding the rear chin lock. But then, like Tony Schiavone wouldn't say something for like thirty seconds. You're like, talk, man, say something. <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> what's he doing? Yeah, that's funny though, man. Yeah, I, I used to do that a lot. But we, I used to get a pay per view like every. I don't know. Every couple months, my dad would get one, and I would always save up my money. I remember I had I had this little um, this little pencil box like that you would get in school that you'd put your pencils in. Yes, and well, like I the would, kind that like flip open and has had all the cool things. Yeah, yeah, that would that would flip flip open. It was like a Looney Tunes one or something. And I remember Fantastic. I wrote on it uh, WCW pay per view money. And so, <laughs> <laughs> anytime I would get some change or a dollar, I would put it in there, and then like. I think they were around twenty five to thirty dollars. I think around that time. Oof. So yeah, that was a lot for me. Yeah, to save up for. So I would always try to save up for it, and my dad would usually just get them and that's awesome. tell me to keep the money. But yeah, it was fun. Um, let's move on to uh, let's talk about video games. Ah, there were some good ones during the ninety ninety five era, and there were some really bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> Man, and of course, when you get to ninety five to two thousand, that's when I mean that to me that's the golden era. But we'll yes. cover that later, especially when the sixty four hits. Yeah, oh man, <laughs> to this day, like I, I've I'm looking at my N sixty four now. I've, I've been meaning to hook it up to my TV and just fire up some of those old N sixty four wrestling. Man, man, but yeah, will, back in the nineties, it was, we'll it was a, a little bit dive. more, a little bit more simple, right? Um, so, which was the first wrestling game that you ever played? The very first one I can remember playing is um, WWF Superstars, 1991 on the Game Boy. Oh, my. And it was because there was a WWF Superstars arcade game, too. And it was kind of a a really lame attempt to recreate that. But it was a really good game. It was fun. Like, really? yeah, the characters were kind of over the top looking. Oh, they weren't like they weren't trying to be like realistic with it. And I remember it had their. um you could listen to their theme music, like when you actually selected the guy. Oh, that's and, you know huge. it was it was Game Boy sound, but I remember listening <laughs> to the uh, the Mister Perfect theme music. I thought it was so cool sounding on the Game That's the very first one I can remember playing that in the uh, WrestleFest arcade game. Oh man, I remember the WrestleFest one. That was that yeah. was awesome. I mean, there wasn't all that many moves. A whole lot of punch and kick and maybe body, body slam, slam, suplex, clothesline. 
but then, then you yeah, could do your we, finisher and that's about it <laughs> oh yeah that was always the coolest yeah, yeah i think the first one i remember was it would have been nes games so there was a mm. wcw game um there was like a generic <laughs> so one bad. there was like a tecmo wrestling game that was really cool i remember that one yeah you could do like a boston crab and like a pile driver and stuff i think <laughs> And then you had a bunch of WWF ones at the time. Like there was even one with a steel cage, steel cage, steel cage challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But then there was a Genesis. Like, so there was a WrestleMania challenge too. Did you have a Genesis or a super Nintendo? I was a Nintendo kid all the way. Oh, wow. I, I got the Genesis. My buddies convinced me, Oh yeah, this is the wave of the future. And then, (laughs) I mean, it was cool, but I wished I could have had both because, uh, you know, super Nintendo, I feel like some of their games had, like their versions had more stuff in them. And so I had like the, the, uh, WrestleMania game for the Genesis. And I feel like the, uh, the super Nintendo version had more characters. Which WrestleMania one? Like the, uh, I know it was probably like, uh, I know there was a super WrestleMania that might've been, I can't remember if that was just super Nintendo or not. Did you ever have like the WrestleMania arcade game? No, I did not. Yeah. I had uh, Super WrestleMania. That's the one. Okay. Had Hogan yeah. and Macho Man and um, Sid and the uh, LOD, <laughs> the Road Warriors on the front. How did Sid make the cover? Come on. Man. Well, you know, rewatching, um, rewatching some uh, 92 stuff, man, he was over with that crowd. Yeah. And of course, he looked like a million bucks. Oh, he did. He just couldn't really do anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, that power bomb was pretty awesome, especially when you're a kid. Yeah. You know, you it's funny. Let... When, I, when I look now, it's like all these guys that we kind of think look like monsters. And even to this day, like your Brock Lesnar type of guys, what I noticed, it's it's like they're traps. Like they're, you know, their shoulder muscles, basically. Like if you have those, you look like a monster. Oh, yeah. They like they have no neck. Yeah, it's that's just... exactly right. <laughs> So, yeah, he was one of those guys back in the early 90s where it's like, oh, my gosh, he's a monster. He used to. Well, he he came out to the psycho music in WWF, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Psycho Sid. Yeah, man, we could we could practically do a whole show on wrestling botches. And, and a lot of them would be Sid <laughs> with a microphone. <laughs> but you know and I know that you only half the man that I am. Our Sid trying to jump off the top rope. Ooh. That was rough. Ouch. But yeah, that was like near the death of WCW, I think. I'm like, well. Man, that's a cringeworthy video right there. Yeah, that's hard to watch. Um, <laughs> WWF Superstars 2, that was on Game Boy. I had that. That's It wasn't that good. It, it was kind of where they started trying to make it realistic oh, really? in a way they tried to make the characters a little more realistic looking oh, and right. um it was really bad <laughs> like you should never attempt to do anything realistic on the game boy um yeah wwf raw on the super nintendo i remember going to toys r us and getting that that was a fun game it was kind of like the uh royal rumble game if you ever played that oh yeah yeah, yeah run into somebody and knock him out of the ring <laughs> yeah yeah same kind of graphics and um, WCW Super Brawl. Do you remember that on the Super Nintendo? I don't. I guess, you know, because I didn't have a... And, and my buddies didn't have Super Nintendos either. It was weird. We were like... Really? Our little group was Genesis. But, like, subsequently, <laughs> I looked at the pictures and stuff. And, 
I always wanted to play it. How how was it? Did you have it? Genesis does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I didn't have it. I rented it, but it was it was okay. really bad. Um, I remember you could pick up. Um, they had like foreign objects. I remember they had a wrench. <laughs> oh, there's always a wrench. <laughs> I feel like they had that in like some of the old NES games. It was like a yeah. wrench. I think they could easily create a wrench like in the game, and that's why they always put it in there. But yeah, now there there were a lot from that era. But like you said, the as far as video games, that really picks up in the later half of yeah. the nineties, and we'll uh, we'll dive into that next time. Um, kind of on the same. Same uh, little path here. Uh, figures, like action figures. Man, man. That's a big can of worms there. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are the first ones you remember getting? Well, so I had those, you know, the thumb wrestlers. Um, and, yeah. um, but that was really before I started following it. Um, like, you know, when I get, really got into WCW in 91, 92 is when they had the uh, Galoob figures. And yes. to me, those were the best ever. Um, and I bought up, like, as many as I could in the store. And then for years later, when they were discontinued, I would, I mean, flea markets, garage <laughs> sales, whatever I could do. And, you know, I'd, you know, old bins and toy stores, I would buy up every one of those things. And as dorky as this sounds, I would just repaint them as I needed to, to either like update outfits or uh, like to become a new character. I, I did that exact same thing. Um, I'm not joking. Uh, <laughs> now the Galoop figures you're talking about, like the smaller rubber ones, like they had like. Um, oh, that's right. There was some before that were kind of flexible. I think from maybe ninety or eighty nine or whatever. Yeah. Now these would have been ninety one, ninety two. So. so you had like you know Sting and Flair and Luger and Doom and uh, Pillman and Z Man, Barry Windham and Arn Anderson, the Steiner Brothers. See the ones I had. I remember having uh, Sid Justice, Barry Windham, and Sting. Oh, and um, for, for I still have this figure somewhere. I, I I should have found it to show it to you. The Sid Justice one I have. I turned him into Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him a bandana and I wrote Steamboat on the back of it. <laughs> That's all I can remember. Man. But um, yeah, I, I guess I wanted a Ricky the Dragon Steamboat one. But um, that was a tough figure to repurpose because, like, there's not that many guys <laughs> that are like you know six foot ten or whatever. So I think he probably became a he probably became Vader later on, and maybe Kevin Nash or something. Yeah, yeah, he had long curly hair. Yeah, yeah Tricky the Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, the WWF Hasbro figures. Do you remember those? The little the plastic ones. Oh yeah, I can remember like the um, if it's the ones I'm thinking of, like the there's like the Hogan one where like his arms will go up for like a press slam or something. Yeah. Yeah, those were pretty cool, and they were about the same height as the uh, WCW one, so you could use them together, mm-hmm. right? I liked them. I liked them a lot because they were kind of cartoony looking. Yeah, they had a lot of expression to them. They're really colorful, and they, they were the ones in the picture I sent you last night that my son carried in there. Oh, that's my, awesome! Yeah, my, I still have a bunch of them, and um, I gave them to my little boy, and he he came in last night carrying the old ring oh, and all the figures. He like, <laughs> Daddy, play wrestling with Harrison. I said. All right, <laughs> let's do it, man. So that's cool. So does he watch wrestling with you now? Um, or, well, <laughs> I, no. I mean, I'll I'll show him. Like sometimes he'll be like, I want to watch wrestling, so I'll put on like some old like nineties WWF Hulk Hogan stuff. Oh, okay. So you know, kind of over the top cartoony stuff, but um, nothing really hard. Nothing really hardcore. No, I mean some of the stuff, even the new stuff, is kind of 
I don't know. He's three, so I'd rather stick with the very yeah. straight edge. <laughs> yeah, you don't see people doing flips or falling on their heads or anything like that. Yeah, I don't want him to get any ideas. But um, same, same here. No, I I remember that ring. I had that ring too, and that's like an iconic toy right there. That blue oh, ring yeah. with the the stretchy ropes and all that. Mm-hmm. And it came with uh, it came with the belt. I don't have the belt anymore, but it came with like a championship title and um. Oh shoot! And the uh, Galoob figures too would have they would have title belts back in the day. I have some. Yes, I have some of this somewhere in a box. There was little <laughs> gold uh, WCW belts. Yeah, yeah, they were little, and I remember I I would use those for my later WWF figures as their belts. I would write like <laughs> IC title and stuff like that. <laughs> so yeah, you got to work with what you have, I guess. There, there's always handy for like hitting other wrestlers with too as a, as an object. <laughs> yeah, great foreign objects. That's yeah. right. Now, do you remember, you know, I'm sticking in the 90, the 95 range. WCW had some by San Francisco Toy Makers. It was around 94. And I don't know, the ones that I pointed to you behind me, those are two of them, if you can see them. I do vaguely remember those. I did not buy them. I guess maybe the size didn't kind of match up with the glue ones. <laughs> so I guess I was pretty They were sad. much larger. Yeah. yeah. They were just like the um, the LJN WWF figures, like the ones that were rubber and heavy and would have a pose. You couldn't move them at all. Oh my gosh! Now that's now that's some nostalgia right there. The ones that were like yeah. twelve inches tall. Do you remember those? Like the uh, yeah. you know your Hillbilly Jim and your Jake the Snake and Iron Cheek and all that stuff. I'm looking around my room because I have a Macho Man somewhere. Oh my gosh, those are awesome. Yeah, he's on my top shelf. <laughs> those are some heavy duty toys. I can remember my friends having those and playing with them. If you threw those across the room, you could put somebody's eye out. Those things were heavy. I bet. I mean, that's like a trophy almost, a big rubber <laughs> trophy. Well, and so in that same vein, what about the, um, uh, what do they call them? The ones that you could actually, like the stuffed animal ones. Yes, the uh, brawling buddies, uh, that's the right. wrestling buddies. I had the Ultimate Warrior. Of course, every kid had the Ultimate Warrior one, or the Hogan <laughs> one, right? But here's the thing, man. As a kid, I used to put on full matches with this thing. Like No way. I would I would go in there as a kid on my bed. I broke my bed like a dozen times <laughs> as a kid, man. Like my dad would hear it from the other room. What did you do? And uh, he'd be in there with the drill and screws, like screwing the the sideboard back up there. But uh, oh yeah, I used to have fake blood. I would get like my mom's craft paint. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, I was, I had an imagination as a kid, I guess. Man. But, uh, man, I love that thing. That thing was great. And I still have it somewhere. It's like, it's beat to heck. I bet. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty, it looks like it's been shot or something, but, um, did you have any or? I did not, I didn't have those, uh, but my friends did. So I can remember playing with those with like with friends and stuff, man, if I had the money just to burn, I would get that whole collection and just like display it because they had like, man, they had Legion of Doom and oh, uh, man. Million Dollar Man. And they had, a, they had a ton of guys. But those are so cool. And they, they came out with them later. Do you remember when they re-released those? No. Like w, WCW did. You're kidding. Yeah. I mean, they were kind of knockoffs, but they had um like Sting and Hogan and Diamond Dallas Page and you would hit parts of their body and they would respond to you. Yeah. <laughs> 
like <laughs> <I'd> say ow. <laughs> like you would yeah yeah you would punch him in the nose and like down Ellis page you go ow my nose and <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah and you would bend their leg and they're like, you're hurting my leg fashion brawlers are you ready to bash and brawl when you wrestle with fashion brawlers they tell you what your fashion you smashed my head listen oh my god he knows you're grabbing his nose get off my nose twist his arm oh my naked arm hear him bake when you bend his leg you're breaking my leg fashion brawlers tell you when you win so cut it out brother <laughs> yeah but um the San Francisco toy maker ones I was talking about a second ago, the ones that are so heavy that are like the mm-hmm. LGN figures. I used to paint those too. No, no. To, yeah. Like when sting turned into crow sting, I remember I put white paint on his face <laughs> and like put black all over him. It just ruined the toy completely. Oh yeah. It was like real tacky feeling like it would never stop being sticky. Oh, so I had to yeah. basically throw it away. So I think I, I'd run into some of that, like the, uh, like kind of the oil paint would be all sticky and it never would dry. I would get the, uh, it was like, yeah. like, I guess it was like craft paint that would kind of dry and it was more water based, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like 90 cents or whatever, something cheap. Yeah. I, so I was dorky enough that, um, like, I don't know if WCW had a ring at the time or if they did, it was really funky back in the early nineties. So they did, but it was really crappy. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was not good. So I had like my dad build me a ring cause he's pretty crafty and, you know, plywood and whatever, like one by two little strips. And, uh, then Are we kind of figured out dowel rods for the post. And then you use like the little, um, I forget what you call them, like cup hooks or eye hooks or whatever. And then, uh, yeah. then those big rubber bands that I guess they use maybe for, I think they people use them to hold a trash bag on a trash can or something. Um, <laughs> so he built that one. And then after he built that one, I figured, well, I could do it. And I built my own after that. And then I went all out like um, like you could get the um, you could get blue and black and yellow. And you know what I, where I'm going with that? That's the WCW yes. rope colors. So you get those ropes. And then um, like, you know, sometimes they would sort of change the color of the canvas. It might yeah. be kind of whitish. It might be like light blue or dark be- dark blue. So you'd get, uh, what do you call it, um, like your big poster board paper. Mm-hmm. Cut it with an X-Acto knife. <laughs> tape that sucker down. And so, I mean, so, and I could That's... have war games with two of those rings and had the, and I built like an entrance ramp. It's still sitting in the parents' oh, closet. You're, you're opening up a can of worms here, man. Yeah. Okay. My dad never built me a ring. But he did build me a steel cage. Oh, wow. Like he, ba- well, I mean, he, it was just basically chicken wire. But he he got it and cut it and you know formed it together and it, it would fit my ring wow. like perfectly. And um, it's kind of dangerous, actually, right? Did you did you poke yourself? Well, no, I put. I got this covered. Oh, okay. I got <laughs> I got duct tape oh. and I like put layers and layers and layers on top of it. That's cool. So I couldn't cut myself. And. Um, Dude, I used to do the entrance ways too, the entrance stages. Oh yeah. I would spend two to three hours on these things. And I would build these elaborate entrance stages. I would get like a chair and use that as like the frame. <laughs> and then near the mid nineties, I decided I was gonna add pyro. Holy cow. I almost burned my carpet one time. <laughs> <laughs> I would get matches and I would wrap them really tight. And that would be like the fire coming up. Holy cow. Around the stage and stuff. So I would do this real late at night when my parents were asleep. Of course. Because uh, I don't think they would go for that. But man, I, yeah, 
I love playing with the figures when I was a kid. Man, it was fun. that's cool. Yeah, I think my I cages wanna... were made out of, uh, it was like some kind of uh, plasticky mesh stuff that I kind of found in the craft. I got, I felt pretty dorky as like a, you know, what I don't know how, 12, 13-year-old boy going to the craft section at Michael's or whatever. But I was, it was Hobby fun. Lobby, but yeah, loading up on all the crafty stuff. I should have brought my figure up there and asked him, what what kind of paint would you recommend? That's exactly right. <laughs> As you can see, this is not crow sting. That's exactly what would you right. recommend? <laughs> Man, I think we could have an entire show on figures, honestly. But. Yeah, I might need to drag those out of my parents' closet. I hope they haven't like melted or something. I don't know what happens to plastic after 25 years. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think you definitely need to get these out now because I want to see them. But, um <laughs> What other kind of merch? I mean, like, do you remember getting during that time? It was kind of tough if you're a WCW fan because you know if you went to dub, uh, you know if you went to Walmart or Kmart or whatever you could or Toys R Us you could get all the WWF stuff, but WCW didn't have that much merchandise. Um, no, I, I feel like kind at of the wait. time you could only get like you know you could order away for like maybe a T-shirt or a videotape or buy it at the at the house shows and that was yeah. mainly it for the for WCW right. Oh, yeah, they didn't sell anything in the store. But, um, yeah, house shows were basically the main thing. And they, they had, a ma- they had like, a catalog, but... Oh, yeah. You know, I remember they always were pushing that. But uh, Well, they had the magazine, remember, and the magazine was where they would have all the stuff listed, I think. Oh, that's true, at the back. Yeah, yeah. I had a uh, Sting Deadly Venom shirt that I love so much. Oh, that's awesome. It said Sting, and it had Deadly Venom below it, and it was, like, neon pink. I and I think those. it might have glowed. I think it might have glowed in the dark, but I might be wrong on that. Um, I wish they would bring those back. Those are the coolest shirts ever. They're so nineties. You know, pro like well, I don't know who owns. The, he probably owns the rights to his name. So if he had like a pro wrestling tee store, he could load up on some nostalgia shirts. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he doesn't. I don't know if he's still under contract with. Could be WWE like a legends no. deal. They they kind of tie people down and. <laughs> yeah. But I remember I had a. Um, they had a Deadly Venom, the Best of Sting VHS tape. Do you remember that? I had that one too, man. I must Did have you? worn that one out. <laughs> yeah, I basically ended up breaking it because I watched it so much. <laughs> but one time Sting came and spoke at my church. And after the service, they're like, okay, Sting's going to be in the foyer and he's going to sign some autographs. <laughs> so I get out there as fast as I can. And I have this tape with me. <laughs> well, there's like 50 people in front of me, and I'm irritated because Sting has to go soon. I know, I knew he had to go. And I'm like, I bet 99% of these people don't even know who this guy is. That's and I'm right. back here with this Deadly Venom, the best of Sting tape. This is like my dream. <laughs> and there's like one person in front of me, and they're like, all right, Sting has to go. And I was like, I was looking at the guy that was saying that. I'm like, no. No, he's you not could not. You could not do this to me, man. <laughs> So Sting was wrapping it up, and, man, I just went up there, and I went behind the table and put my arm around him to get a picture. I'll send this to you. Sting does not look happy with me in this picture at all. (laughs) And I got him to sign the VHS tape, so I have that still. But I think I made Sting mad. I feel like I saw that picture a long time ago, and, uh, yeah, I I can remember he he looked like, what are you doing? (laughs) Stop touching me. I'm like, but we're friends. Yeah. So how many? Uh, so I guess how many wrestlers have you like met in person? It sounds like you've already met two. Um, I mean, I'm, yeah, I've met Sting and Doctor Death, and oh, I, 
I'm actually looking at the autographs right here. I forgot about this. I met um, Rick and Stott, Scott Steiner, no Million way. Dollar Man, Big Boss Man. Whoa. Um, somebody else. Um, the group I just mentioned, they came to an opening of a gym here that was actually owned by Dr. Death. Oh, no way. And, and so they had like a grand opening and he invited some guys to come to the grand opening. Holy cow. So I, like I the mid-90s or something? Yeah, mid, like, 94-ish, maybe wow. 93. I'd say 93. That sounds about right. Yeah. But um, I think they were in town for, like, a show, so they just came over and uh, signed some autographs and stuff. Oh, man. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I have a picture of Dr. – or not Dr. Death. Um, Big Boss Man put me in a headlock. Oh, that's awesome. And- <laughs> he must have been huge, too. He was probably at least 6'4 or something, right? Massive. Yeah. This was, like, right after – big boss man jumped over to wcw yeah that's right the boss the boss <laughs> and then he became uh what was he the guardian angel that's right because i think wwf was about to sue him <laughs> yeah that's always kind of the letdown whenever somebody big would come to wcw because it was kind of like you got the great value version right yeah <laughs> you got the, you got the, you got the please don't sue us version yeah that's right yeah he's just known as the boss oh but he's still a cop with a nightstick. Okay. He's cool. the boss, comma, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have been a great line. And they would he's the boss, to. man. Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm surprised they didn't try something like that, honestly. But. That's funny. I think the only wrestler that I met back in the day was like at one of my, at the WCW shows. I was at the concession stand and uh, Z-Man came <laughs> and uh, he went, he came to get a drink. And uh, really, I, yeah, like just still wearing like a, I think he was wearing probably his, like his tights and like a like a shirt or something. And because uh, like, he'd already had a match earlier that night, and uh, like I got to talk to him for like a second and get an autograph. And nice guy, Z Man's behind me to get a hot dog. Yeah, pretty much. Stand. Yeah, that's funny. I think that's the only the only people I've met. I think I don't know. I have a I have a later story. Well, I have a couple stories, you know, from Japan, but we can do those in the future episode. Okay. Meet All right. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I want you to dive into that in the second episode because you were uh, in the middle of it over there. So. Yeah. Um. So as far as any merch, you don't remember? Do you ever have like a foam finger or anything? <laughs> no, but man, I do remember those. How about you? I never had one though. My uh, my I remember my buddy had a sting one. And uh, I thought they were funny, but as far as like clothing, I didn't really have a whole lot. I had more of the figures and stuff like that. I had some clothing once we got into the later nineties. Yeah, I did then. (laughs) It was a little bit more accessible. Yeah. (laughs) I remember for like my 18th birthday. Well, I'll talk about that later, but I got like a triple H Jersey or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, but, um, so something else that kind of ties in with merch is um, like VHS tapes. That's how I got to see a lot of stuff back in the day. And yeah. how about you? I mean, did you did you own a lot or did you rent or how did you do it? Let's see. I, I feel like if I could find any commercial tapes and they were affordable, I bought them. And so I definitely had some WCW ones and they I, were Expensive. They were. I feel like the, like the actual pay-per-view ones are expensive, and then maybe you could get lucky on some of those sort of compilation ones that we talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think, not I, cheap. I think the pay-per-view, and I mean, you, you would pay 30 to $35 for oh, a VHS pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, like you go to like uh, Fye or what yeah. was another place in the mall? I can't think of it. Uh, Gosh, Suncoast. Suncoast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I used to rent a lot though. I I was a regular at Blockbuster Video at least once a week. So like the first place I would always go, like I would always rent a game. I would get my game. Then I would go to the special interest section, <laughs> and that's where they had the like they had like yoga videos and workout videos. And that's at right. the very bottom, they had uh, several wrestling tapes. Literally, it would be like several. Yeah, yeah. Where else did you did you go to Blockbuster a lot or? Well, so we didn't have a Blockbuster until later, um, mm. and so uh, we had National Video, and I bought or I, I rented everything they had, which was mainly a lot of like. <laughs> 80s WWF stuff at the time, you know, yeah. Summer Slams and Royal Rumbles and WrestleManias. And, uh, yeah, I think WCW, like, it's funny because on the nice side of town, there was national video, and that's where you could rent the WWF side, WWF stuff. On the poorer side of town at the supermarket at County Market was where you could rent WCW. <laughs> Well, they're they're appealing to the crowd. I, guess. I don't know. Apparently I, so. Apparently, we were the lower class with our <laughs> preferences. I guess I don't know. I would kill to have like the WCW stuff at Blockbuster, but yeah, it was mostly all WWF stuff. Oh yeah. Um, but I remember going to our local Albertsons. You could rent from there too. They would rent videotapes, and um, oh, I would always rent from there. That that, that was fun. It was it was super cool to be able to watch those pay per views, even if you had to wait like six months, or maybe you're watching one from a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting uh, SummerSlam. It was the one that was in like Wembley Stadium, I think. Oh, that's or, awesome! It was the one where um, yeah, Davy Boy and uh, Davy Boy and Brett in yeah. the main event. Yeah, I remember renting that from Blockbuster, and you know we only had one TV at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was one TV VCR. I had two sisters. So I remember getting up at 5.30 in the morning Whoa. on a on a Saturday <laughs> so I could watch it. So I could watch it in peace. Like, no one would bother me. I could sit down. I could, I could bake some cereal. And uh, I sat there and watched the whole thing. And it was so much fun as a kid to get up and kind of have, you know, everybody else is asleep. No one's going to bother me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, all, that's what I had to do. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. No, we had. Uh, well, I guess we had two TVs, and um, and I think the uh, this like because we got the second TV was how I saw probably like the you know that first Clash of the Champions or something around ninety or ninety one. Yeah, but yeah. I would have to do the same thing if I wanted to watch it on the big TV with a VCR. It was, hey ma, hey dad, I, I want to watch wrestling. Can is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Can you leave me alone for a minute? Yeah, pretty much. Leave the room. <laughs> My, my yeah my sisters used to irritate the fire to me dude like they would know that i was like getting a pay-per-view so suddenly they want to watch it too oh. you know they don't want to be a, so when my sister comes in there with a sleeping bag she wants to lay down there and watch it and i was just so irritated because i was like this is my thing that's right just <laughs> leave me alone for two and a half hours do they ask you questions or tease you oh they just wouldn't shut up yeah oh. it's just I, I don't want to share this with y'all just uh let me have this. <laughs> Let me have Halloween Havoc 95. <laughs> Which is awful. Yeah, I'm but, thinking, um, yeah, you can have that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is 95, I think 95 is the one where he fights the giant. Oh, my gosh. I do remember threw- that. Well, so, like, um, 
that well that's kind of leads leads you down a different rabbit hole how about like with your friends like because wrestling's best when it's kind of a social thing right yes your friends also watching like did you ever watch together or you know were you talking about at school on monday like how did that go I remember talking about it a little bit at school, like from 90 to 95, I didn't really have any friends that watched wrestling, but that second half I did. Um, oh, okay. So I guess, we, I mean, I, I remember watching my friend, my friend Vincent was my good friend back then. And I remember watching, um, this is after 95, but it was Stark 97 where it was Sting against Hogan. Ooh. I, I remember reading that and us watching that together. And yeah, it was really fun when he had a buddy that was really into it. And for sure especially when you got a pay-per-view together. That was always fun. Yeah. I can remember doing that later on in the nineties in the, like yeah. in the early nineties. I, I, yeah, like I had friends at school, but I kind of moved around schools a couple of times. Um, yeah. So I did too. you'd kind of end up with a different group of friends that may or may not like it. But I think once I got to, for sure, once I got to high school, I had a buddy that was, that was into it and it seemed like we would always have a class together every year. So every day we were, we were talking about it and especially like the really funny stuff. My, my friend, was, yeah. my friend West was just super funny. And so we would always be cracking up over, you know, goofy stuff in 94, <laughs> 95, 96, 97. Did you see the Shockmaster fall? Last oh night? my gosh. <laughs> The best part about the Shockmaster was that he had on a glittered Stormtrooper <laughs> helmet from Star Wars. Oh, man. And you can hear, you, you can hear Flair in the background going, <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Wasn't it known like Flair with the gold? That's like, right. Segment? Yeah. Yeah. I think Harlem Heat were out there or something. Yeah, Sid was there. Davey Boy was there. Yeah. It was her secret weapon, man. Oh my gosh. Um let's get into uh let's get into some of our favorite matches. Like, you know, when I was thinking about these, it's like these are our personal just ones that we can think of. Because I mean, look, if we sat here and listed all of our favorite matches from these five years, this would be a four and a half hour show. That's right. So so I just you know, I pulled out uh, four to five that kind of stood out to me ones I remember and thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about those but yeah. um, I'll let you kick it off man like what's what's one of the first ones you want to discuss and one that kind of made an impression let's see well you know I guess we kind of brought up the um, the Sting and Rick Rude one from the Clash that one I must have wore out that tape rewatching that even though it was like a short match like the whole thing was just so cool um you're, the you're talking about the one where he was injured and came back? That's right. I think it was Yeah, they, they were in maybe Savannah, Georgia or something like that. And, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, the crowd was hot and you had uh, like Jim Ross on commentary. And so it just amplified everything and it was just super dramatic. And even you could probably rewatch it today and you'd still be thinking, come on, you can pull it out. You can do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It really was because I remember that they showed a clip of that on that Deadly Venom, the Best of Sting VHS tape. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. Um, I remember he did a uh, he did a back body drop on Rude during it, and it was like the highest one I think I've still ever seen in my life. Threw him up into space. <laughs> yeah, I want to say he loses that one though. Oh, Sting! Yeah, Sting! Sting lost that one. Does he? Okay. The, you know the sad thing as like that was I mean that was so cool and that feud should have been so great but I feel like several months later they kind of moved Sting to a different feud and 
had uh, Rude with Steamboat, and so they ne- there wasn't like a real kind of payoff. I feel like. No, they fought a lot, but you're right. Yeah, there there wasn't like a, you know, a final battle type thing. Yeah, they they moved yeah. Sting kind of on, on to Vader. That's right, and yeah, I think Vader kind of stole the thunder there a little bit. But man, I I was a massive Rick Rude fan. I just thought he was great. Same here, like. Oh, you Monroe meatheads and like just the great the intro was the greatest. What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat Hey, wait a minute. Out of shape. Old D was talking to you. Snaggle tooth sneeze bags. Keep the noise down while I take my robe off and show you what a real sexy man. It's supposed to look like. Hit the music. Holly out there with him with his giant cell phone. And, and then Medusa was out there with him a lot. Yeah, the Dangerous Alliance thing, that should have just gone on a lot longer. That was really short-lived, but they were so good. Such an awesome faction. but So that one for um, sure stood out, stood out for me. How about you from kind of that early 90s time period? Well, yeah, I mean, speaking of Dangerous Alliance, uh, oh, WCW yeah. Wrestle War 1992, it was a Sting Squadron versus Pauly's Dangerous Alliance. Now, I want you to try to guess, so you might just know who was in Sting Squadron. I was who just think thinking that. Hmm. <laughs> I have a list. I wrote it down just in case I forgot. But. Um, so, I let's see. So... Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and uh, Nikita Koloff, right? Yes. The other part, uh, was it Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham? Yes. Okay, cool. That was it. Yeah, that was a squadron. And they were going up against the Dangerous Alliance, which was Austin, Rick Rude, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zbysko. Really think about that. So much talent. They could have taken – I mean, that, that could have been the NWO before there was the NWO. Oh, for sure. They could have taken over the whole thing, yeah. I mean – For sure. People – some people look back on that early era of WCW and kind of frown upon it, but – Yeah, they the look amount at the of, goofy stuff without looking at all the other stuff that was really – it was really great. They hear early WCW and they just think of Oz. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Like this green <laughs> giant. <laughs> hey, we bought the rights to Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh, you know, I never put Let's, two and two together on that one. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's basically why they did it. They oh, got gosh. the rights. Wow. Let's turn an ultra talented guy <laughs> for a big man. Yeah. Into Oz. <laughs> but no, I remember uh, Russell War '92 was awesome. It it was. I mean, it was like a classic War Games match. Yeah. Um It was bloody. It was just. It was good. I mean, I think uh, Sting wins that. Yeah, Sting Squadron does win that one. I was thinking about another one where the I think the good guys lose. But um, yeah, ninety one was against the Horsemen, and uh, yeah, that was it, was another is, great match. Is that the one that Sid is in? Yeah, where he power bombs uh, Pillman and uh, he kind of <laughs> drops him on his head the first time, and then then he does it yes. again, and they just kind of end it like he's basically knocked out, probably legit. <laughs> He forgets, like, the the cage is enclosed above him, I guess. Yeah. yeah. There's a roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in this one, um, I think they take apart the uh, turnbuckle. That's right. And, yeah. 
I think Arn Anderson or somebody hits accidentally hits his own guy. That's pretty clever way to do it as opposed to just, you know, a regular submission. It's like, well, let's use the ring as a weapon, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd never seen that done before, but, you know. So what's another one for you uh, in your list here? Uh, So kind of in that same vein, um, yeah, Sting Invader, it was Starcade 92. Um, yes. I can remember renting this one from like the uh, the county market. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. But man, that was a great match. That was the King of Cable tournament, which I guess they didn't yes. they didn't have a they didn't have a belt for him to to feud over. So it was let's, let's I, make I it still don't know what the King of Cable is, but <laughs> exactly. It was a trophy. <laughs> exactly. They could have just called it the TBS trophy or something. But they had a great match, and that was the um, yeah. sort of the rope-a-dope thing where Vader just keeps beating on Sting, and Sting's kind of putting his arms up and kind of goading him into you know, punching him some more until Vader starts just getting really winded, and um, Sting pulls out a victory. Yeah. And, I'm trying uh, to think how he beats him in that. It's, uh, I think Vader hits him with uh, one or two... Um, like uh, Vader bombs, like splashes off the uh, top rope and, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe off the second rope. And then he goes for like a second or a third one and sting manages to jump up and kind of slam him and pin him real quick. That's right. He catches him kind of midair. Yeah. And turns him, yeah. And slams him. Yeah. yeah. I, see, I love the Vader sting saga. Really? Um, the, uh, white castle of fear. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was the, uh, which was so crappy, but it was a strap match. Yeah. But it was a great, uh, like, th- those goofy videos, my, me and my buddies would just crack <laughs> up over those things. I remember Sting was, like, in a helicopter looking out, like, and there's oh, the man. castle, and it was so goofy. And then, yeah, probably, I feel like a year later, there's the one with, like, the uh, the boat blowing up and the little person and all the crazy <laughs> stuff. Cheatham. That thing right. was Cheatham's. That's right. <laughs> there was a little guy, that, and he, he was in the White Castle of Fear, too. Oh, was he? Yeah, he's running around <laughs> somewhere in there. You had Vader and Sid on the beach with flip flops, but in their wrestling gear or something. It's just like so preposterous. It's, it's what they hang out in. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I really do like that match too. I like it because you know there are no gimmicks. Yeah. In that match, it's just a one-on-one, um, just brawl between the two, and I, I, I thought their the way they matched up was so good. Yeah. You know. Sting was Sting could handle Vader. I mean, he could slam Vader, but it, you know, Vader was still the monster and it was just the classic good guy versus evil type thing, you know, slaying the monster type scenario. But um for sure. And of course, you know, Sting's not you know, he's not not huge and uh so you kind of had the giant versus the smaller guy and yeah, that kind of worked well. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. Um Another one I want to talk about, uh, Big Van Vader was actually a part of, and it was Clash of the Champions 29, which was in 1994, and it was Dustin Rhodes against Big Van Vader. That one was you have really a, good. I, I went and actually yeah, watched you the check whole it out? thing, and like, <laughs> it held up so well. Like It was just a, it was a fight. It was great, it was and great. I don't think enough people talk about it. I didn't remember it. It was great. I barely remember it, and then I went and rewatched it, and that's the only reason I really remembered it. And was like, okay, this was really, really good. I mean, it was kind of nonstop, hard hitting, oh, just yeah. brawl. It was. Um, I mean, that, that would be uh, today. We'd call that like strong style or something, right? Where they're just really smacking each other hard. Oh yeah, I mean that was a match that. I mean, if anything, it just 
um, made Rhodes even better. I mean, in the eyes of the fans and everybody else, I mean, he went toe to toe with Vader. Oh, that's true. And the crowd was hot too. I mean, they, yes. they totally bought him. Yeah. That's what made it even better. He was totally, he was totally underrated. I mean, watching some of that early nineties stuff, he was so great. And then whenever yeah. he went to the WWF and the whole gold dust thing, I, I never cared for it. Yeah. I, I couldn't watch WWF a lot. Those days. I know. And it's, it's funny. To I, had to, I had to, I had to, I had to do the whole previous channel thing on my remote. <laughs> I was flipping between both. <laughs> it's funny to see Cody Rhodes now, and I'm thinking, man, Dustin back in, you know, 20 years, well, not 20 years ago, but let's just say like 17 years ago. I mean, he he should have been in the same kind of spot where Cody's at now. Um, yeah, I remember, um, I want to say it was Bischoff on Bischoff's podcast uh 83 weeks yeah i think they discussed something about that one time as far as who they were going to use like they were going to originally they wanted to have sting turn on wcw at bash at the beach and they were going to put dustin rhodes in the spot as like the you know the head good guy oh that's interesting because i mean he would have been like a great baby face you know battling the evil you know, new world order that was trying to take over the company for sure. Yeah. They've totally dropped the ball with, uh, yeah. I mean, with Dustin Rhodes and and Austin, those are some great matches to go back and watch. Mm. They tore it up like around 92, 93. Oh yeah. I remember Rhodes had a big feud with the, uh, the stud stable. Do you remember them? I do that. uh, Probably what? 93, 94 (laughs) and all that. Yeah. Colonel Robert Parker. That's right. Bunkhouse Buck and <laughs> Dirty Dick Slater. Yeah. Which is a terrible name. but That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> what's, what's another one? Well, so like one that really stood out to me is as goofy as it sounds. Like, um, so looking, to, looking back, like I had recorded it at the time, and I think it was, it was late 91, and it was, um, it was Chris Benoit and Jushin Thunder Liger, and it was... Um, like so for people that don't know Jushin Liger was like uh so this guy from Japan and uh he was I mean he probably ended up being one of the top light heavyweight you know junior heavyweight guys of all time and yeah. uh I mean he was doing unbelievable like stuff like unbelievable like high flying moves back in the early 90s like creating moves and uh yeah so he was he was huge over there and they brought him into WCW in the early 90s occasionally um, for like, you know, big events and stuff. And so they were promoting that. And so they aired a match from, uh, from Japan and it was, uh, Liger and, uh, Chris Benoit and, uh, with, uh, Jim Ross doing the commentary. And to me, like that one just like was so awesome. Like there was tons yeah. of mat wrestling that was, I'd never seen before like that. And there was high flying I'd never seen before. And of course, Chris Benoit worked really, really stiff, really hard hitting and, um, loved it. And, um, like to this day, like that one kind of got me interested in like almost all things Japan. Like I was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Well, the, I mean, yeah, I mean the style of there is so unique, especially back in the day. Now, now was Benoit the, um, was he the Pegasus kid or was this like before or after that? I Let's don't know. see. So they, over there, for whatever reason, they called him wild Pegasus and, uh, he wore a mask early on and he had lost his mask, uh, at this point. So this, oh, okay. Yeah. So this was after, but they yeah. would still call him that even though he's, you know, a dude with no mask. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, so that one really stood out to me. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, Liger, um, he just retired, didn't he? He um, did. I guess he a few uh, months ago. Yeah, he uh, they had big ceremony and like a kind of a year long retirement tour. I actually got to see him. Uh, it would have been at uh, like in the summertime at uh, when New Japan came to Dallas. Wow. Okay, I didn't know he was there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he was cool. I mean, he's he's a little bit more limited at his age, but I mean, he could still go. And I don't know how old he is. Um, Got to be like fifty or something. He has to be up there. I, I think the first time I ever saw him was on the debut episode of Monday Nitro. Oh, that's right. The first match um, him and Pillman. Right? Yeah, opened up against Pillman. Yeah, that's the first time I was uh, kind of introduced to him. Um. Yeah, I think Benoit, Benoit finally, he officially came to WCW around 94, maybe? I think so. Like He did he did like a couple of little things here and there, and then I guess he was probably full-time somewhere around 94 or whatever. I, I, need, to, I need to, I skimmed through the match this morning because I was running kind of late with some of the matches, but oh, I need well, to go you, back and watch it beginning to end. Yeah, you didn't quite, yeah, you didn't really miss anything because um, I guess... It seems like it was clipped, and so you, literally, it's like the the finishing oh, sequence okay. as opposed to like a twenty minute match. It's literally it's like about, one minute of it or something. We can find the whole one somewhere, I'm sure. I but. I'm I'm searching for it. I'll send it to you because yeah, that's okay, a classic cool. one for me. Yeah, um, another one for me. I had to kind of I'd forgotten about this honestly, and I re, I was reminded about it while doing some research on some matches. <laughs> it was called the uh, the Queensberry Cup series. And it was between William Regal and Ric Flair in WCW. And do you remember this at all? I mean, it was... I did not remember it. I re- I went back and I rewatched it, and it was really cool with all the mat wrestling. The whole thing with the scoring and all was confusing. Can you kind of explain that to me? Well, I'm kind of confused, too, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it was basically... <laughs> It was kind of like boxing rules in a way. Oh, okay. Like, you, you couldn't go outside the ring or anything like that. And... um they would see i don't remember i don't know if like pins counted or i don't know if you went for a pin like they just it was it was you know judges would rule at the end like who the winner was um it was so incredibly good though i mean it was just classic matt wrestling very stiff stuff from steven regal i was a massive regal fan like from the very first time he showed up i was hooked because he was so different from a lot of the guys in there. He was so stiff. Yeah. And his stuff with like, um, fit Finley and stuff was just amazing. But seeing him going up, going up against flair and just stretching flair and stuff was just so interesting to me. And I mean, it was kind of out of nowhere, really. I don't, I don't remember how that feud came about, but I'm guessing they were trying to kind of, you know, elevate regal. Um, it was cool to watch it because, um, I'm sure at that point in the 90s, Flair wasn't having to do much in the way of mat wrestling, so it was cool to see him like breaking out all kinds of like crazy mat work and stuff. Oh, yeah. Kind of expand beyond just the typical Flair match, which, you yeah. know, kind of was paint by numbers after a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, back in the 80s when he was doing kind of 60 minute matches, I'm sure he had to do a whole lot of creative stuff to fill time. But once, you know, once you got into the 90s and everybody's attention span suddenly got short, you sort of had flare tv matches that were short and, you know all the typical stuff every sting and flare match was the exact same thing <laughs> why I is mean, he going up can... top <laughs> what you know you're gonna Has get flare ever hit a topper move i don't know um 
oh yeah, throws him into turnbuckle, he flips. <laughs> then uh, he runs. I'm like, don't run, stupid. That's and then right. Sting hits him with the clothesline. <laughs> Like, you should have learned by now. It's like the run, but, uh, yeah, Roadrunner and the Coyote, right? That's a perfect, uh, yeah, analogy there. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It, but anyways, it was a best of five match. Uh, it went down to the fifth match. The fifth match was actually outside at MGM Studios in Disney World, um, and Flair wins it. So Flair wins the cup. Um, other on the list, um, well, sort of staying in that vein, you had, uh, Cactus Jack and Vader. That was just oh man stiff. And it was cool to see, uh, Cactus Jack kind of getting over with the crowd and everybody getting behind him. And those were, rough. well, it was, it, they, they saw that he was almost dead. So they felt like they needed to. That's right. Sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> they had a lot of matches. Like, is there one in particular that you're thinking of? Or it would have been the one where he got uh, power bombed on the concrete floor and uh, then kind of disappeared after that. You remember that? Is that the one where he lost his memory? That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Yes, yes, that was on um, so Saturday night. That was on the episode of the Saturday night. Yeah. So I'm saying they used to have pretty strong matches there, but yeah, he powerbombed him on the concrete. That's, I mean, um, even to this day, that's insane. I don't know if this is before or after he lost his ear. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Might have been after. But yeah, for those not in the know, which I'm sure if anybody's a wrestling fan, they know Cactus Jack was fighting Vader, I think, over in Germany. Yeah. And Vader threw him into the ropes. The ropes were like really tight for some reason. And, um, <laughs> He kind of hung himself in the ropes and it ripped his ear off. Yikes. So, you know, continued the match like no big deal. That's dedication to the job. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I love the entire setup of Vader and Cactus Jack because Cactus Jack is this maniac who will do anything and Vader is the monster. So I'm sure Vader had a field day just beating the tar out of him, you know. I bet. Yeah, they had a bunch of different matches. There's a pay-per-view match where they're it might have been falls count anywhere or last man standing or something that's pretty rough yeah let's go to let's go to wwf here okay uh king of the ring 1993 mr perfect against bret hart that's a good match that's one that yes i mean those are two guys that just live and breathe wrestling so i mean you really couldn't find a better match up there um very different styles but they matched up just perfectly, and it was just a, it was just a great, great match. And uh, Bret Hart won, became the king of the ring. And I was always a massive Mister Perfect fan. He was really cool, as long as it's in the WWF. I thought not so much in WCW. Yeah, I, I have to admit something that I had a buddy make fun of me relentlessly for. How do you spell Kurt Kurt Henning's last name? Is it H E N N I G? It's Hennig, right? There's no extra N. See, I've been saying Henning my entire life with an N. <laughs> Henning, H E. But I noticed I I kind of felt a little better because I remember I was watching a WCW Monday Nitro match and his name popped up at the bottom and it said Henning H E N N I N G. I was like, so they screwed up too. But um, yeah, Bret Hart, Mister Perfect had several matches. They had um, I think one earlier, maybe that year. Or maybe the previous year at SummerSlam. But uh, I think this was the better of the two. And it was just classic WWF wrestling. I mean. Yeah. I remember as a kid, I used to spit my gum out and try to fit it. Like <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Perfect did. <laughs> Throw the towel behind your back and catch it. 
I would always have a towel. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's one that stands out as definitely a good one. I'm pretty sure that was a, a blockbuster rental that I watched that one. So did uh, I? Re- I went back and rewatched it, but I can't remember if uh, like. So that that mid '90s period with Bret Hart was really good, but it kind of got like oh, he yeah. would do the what they called it the five moves of doom. Like he, was like you know, he the, the side Russian Russian leg sweep, the elbow drop off the second rope. Like now, you got to be careful here saying that. I have a friend that will actually break quarantine and come find you for saying. That. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in Denton, Texas. Oh too. shoot! Uh, <laughs> no, I love no. Him. He's, he was just kind of like. Oh, well, here we go. <laughs> it is true. It it's it's true. Yeah, he would do the uh uh what's like the front atomic drop. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Bret Hart took some of the best turnbuckle hits. Oh, sure. Ever. Like when just thrown into the turnbuckle. I don't know, he did it. It looked like death. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like knock him out. But uh yeah, that's a good one. If you've never seen that one, anybody listening, definitely check that one out. Mm. So What's another one you got? Um, so some of these, like the, um, so I guess as we got more into the later 90s is when I got into tape trading, and that's when I picked up on some of the, like the ni- earlier 90s stuff from Japan. Yeah. Um, so for me, there was a match from 94, which, um, I mean, I guess to this day, it was considered one of the best matches of the 90s, and it was um, it was Misawa and Kawada. I'm going to butcher their first names if I try to say them. Um, <laughs> in all Japan. And um, I think it was probably about a 40-minute match, a long match or something like that. But really stiff. Um, you know, these guys are, are true heavyweights. Um, you know, lots of mat work, too. Um, tons of psychology. Um, and when, when I say psychology, I mean, like, like maybe repeating things from previous matches and maybe the, the, the opponent avoids it, or maybe the, if there's a move that they tried in a previous match and couldn't do, maybe they try it again in this one and they get it or things like that. They kind of make cool. it seem a little bit more real. And, um, and, uh, the finish is absolutely insane. Um, crowds hot and, uh, without spoiling it, one of the guys takes one of the craziest bumps ever, and um and that kind of ends the match and it's just a phenomenal phenomenal match he drops you right on his neck doesn't he yeah it's the wasn't the tiger that, and so that was the funny thing is like these I guys were what it is these guys would basically use every move they had and couldn't beat the opponent and so they would literally come up with a new move on the spot and it would like there was what, what became known as the tiger driver 94 because like They'd only do it like in the most extreme situations where it's like, all right, I've got to just drop this guy on his head, come up with a new move, and and then you know that ends the match. That's awesome. Yeah, I I went and I um, I had never seen this match before, and I watched it because you you put it on your list, and man, it was it it defined everything I loved about Japanese wrestling. I'm I'm not now I I cannot sit here and say that I could tell you tons about Japanese wrestling because I can't, but I have watched it when I can especially when people recommend matches to me and the crowd was amazing. Yeah. That was one of the loudest, but it's a different kind of loud over there. Yeah. It's kind of a very respectful kind of, um, you know, vibe, but, uh, it was great. I mean, it's definitely one to check out. And I I thought it was funny. Like, I think there were like 40 photographers outside. the (laughs) ring. Yeah. (laughs) Like how many people are out there, man? But, um, 
I love that style though, man. It's it's really refreshing to watch Japanese stuff if you've never checked it out for sure. For sure. I mean, it definitely that's one of those ones you could show to anybody and they're not going to be thinking, "Oh, well, that's fake." I mean, that that Oh no. It's pretty oh, hard no. hitting. Yeah, they beat the heck out of each other. Yeah. Royal Rumble 92 is one I wanted to mention. That's the one that Flair wins. Uh, he enters at number three. And, I mean, I think it could be argued that it's probably the best Rumble ever. I mean, it, it, I liked it because it had, like, such a great, diverse cast of wrestlers in it of that time. I mean, you had, you know, Shawn Michaels, Randy Savage, Jim Duggan, Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake, Undertaker. You know, it's just like kind of like your... Uh, you know your classic guys that you grew up with and um just a fun match i always love the rumble it's always fun yeah and uh pretty cool to see flair take it that year it, but, it was funny to see how the crowd was really behind him and like really cheering when hogan like went out <laughs> that's when hogan slowly started to uh fade a little bit i think yeah. it was kind of the crowd was maybe getting a little tired of him but that was so cool that they were cheering for flair and that yeah that he got that yeah. recognition by winning it, right? That's when Flair brought the WCW belt. The big gold belt. <laughs> yeah. That was so shocking. Do you remember seeing that? Like, on, it, like I don't know, probably Saturday morning, car, you know, TV or something like Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I, I guess it didn't register as much. But later on, you know, when I found out exactly what happened, it's – that's shocking, man. And WCW had to kind of scramble to uh, get a belt. That's when they had that horrible little WCW title. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So I, 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 I heard the story on that, like him taking the belt not too long ago. I think it was Flair was on Jericho's podcast. And uh, so apparently, like, he basically owned that belt. Like, I guess when if you were an NWA champion, you put down, like, a deposit on the belt. That's right, yeah. And um, basically, like, he kind of owned it and um, – yeah, whenever he was ready to leave, um, I don't remember the whole deal of him like getting out of his contract or is it, it expired or they breached it or whatever. But basically, he owned the belt, so he took it. It was like, well, that, that's he, fair. He showed up and Bobby the Brain Heenan had it, and I was like, okay, that was that was <laughs> nuts. That's kind of wild, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess WCW did it later with the women's WWF women's title. Yeah, that was even worse. <laughs> He'd put it in the trash. Oh my gosh! Did you? You had another one, didn't you? I did. Uh, probably my. Uh, I, for some goofy sentimental reason, it's one of my favorites. Um, uh, Japanese match from 1995. Um, so this was uh, from the FMW promotion. They had a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. They did, um, and, and we can go into that in, uh, in the sort of like in a future podcast because, uh, like, when you sort of when the internet sort of came about and you got into trading tapes and buying tapes, like there was always a handful of tapes that like everybody had to buy, and uh, and this was one of them. And um, so it was FMW's. Uh, they had a stadium show. It was um, five five ninety five. So that's an easy number to remember. And yeah. uh, so the the guy that kind of ran the promotion, he was sort of the equivalent of kind of like the Hulk Hogan of Japan almost, like just super popular. His name was Atsushi Anita, and okay. not the greatest wrestler in the world. Like his move set was probably a handful of moves. Um, so Hulk Hogan, pretty yeah. much, yeah. But it didn't matter <laughs> because the crowd just loved the guy passionately, and um, yeah. so he decided he was going to retire. And so they had a young, up and coming, high flying, colorful guy. 
his name is Hayabusa, um, have him like face him in sort of his retirement match. The crazy thing that I haven't mentioned though is uh, for people that don't know what <laughs> FMW is, uh, they it's a heck of a retirement match. <laughs> yeah, so they uh, they kind of got. So in Japan, going back to the early 90s, they had a couple promotions, and it was pretty straightforward stuff, just like in America. You know, a couple guys in a ring having a wrestling match. And uh, he kind of decided to do something a little different. And so to stand out, his new fledgling company, they would suddenly have matches with barbed wire. Uh, maybe in place uh, at first, maybe around the ropes, and then they decided, well, let's take the ropes down and let's just put up barbed wire. <laughs> this isn't dangerous enough. I know. Oh my gosh! And um, and then it was like, well, I guess we got to go beyond that because the crowd's kind of tired of that. What if the barbed wire had electricity going through? <laughs> or or let me rephrase that. What if we told people there was electricity going? Yeah. Through? What if we essentially had, you know, the equivalent of black cat fireworks? you know, yeah. lined up to the, to the barbed wire ropes and uh, it blew up <laughs> if you touched it. So that, cause that equals electricity. That's right? exactly right. So that gets attention. <laughs> well, like then the, the next step beyond that, well, let's have basically dynamite outside the ring and explosions where if you fall outside. <laughs> and so they just keep going down the rabbit hole every year where it just gets completely insane. Um, and the interesting thing is it kind of creates a different kind of match psychology because instead of just, you know, throwing the guy into the ropes or climbing to the top rope or whatever, you can't touch the ropes because they're, well, there's no, there's no ropes there and it's kind of dangerous to touch what's in place of. It. Yeah. So this was a, um, this was like a cage match with like barbed wire and explosions. And then I guess, I think it was after 10 or 15 minutes, if the match wasn't over, basically sort of the ring kind of blew up. <laughs> There's these big pits of like here's, dynamite outside here, the ring. <laughs> here's what I love. I I want to imagine someone that's never seen this and just hearing you describe it. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's just like, and then we kill them after 15 minutes. Pretty you much. know, it's basically Mortal Kombat. Pretty much. I mean, let's just yeah. Well, they call it they call it a death match, and this sounds like we're talking uh, about uh. the most barbaric thing imaginable. And you know, the first question is, well, well, do they die? Well, no, they don't die. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the but it's, it's a it's a phenomenal match. Uh, uh, what did you think? Did you watch a little bit of it? I had actually seen this before. Oh, okay, yeah, and it was kind of. Um, I don't know if this is. I mean, would you say this was like the first <laughs> exploding cage barbed wire match? I don't. I've, I think he might have had. Uh, well, so what they do, they would have these stadium shows. I think like I don't know ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, and so they would kind of top them each year. I feel like yeah. this was maybe the maybe the second time they did something like this. Yeah, Pretty crazy. No, I'd seen it um, before, and yeah, it's 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 amazing for a match that has so big of a gimmick. Yeah, going for it, you know, it seems like it would be you know way different, but these guys just didn't care. We're <laughs> just like, I all know. right. Well, and the amazing thing is, I mean, it's it's gory a bit, but it's not like kind of it. It's not vicious it's or not barbaric. Like, I wouldn't say. Uh-uh. It just happened to no, be, it's, here's a match, and here's the crazy um, surroundings to it. It's not half as violent as it sounds. That's exactly really. right. It's, it's more of a show, kind of, you know, more of kind of a spectacle. But, um, Very much. I remember several matches kind of like that from, uh, it might have been from FMW, where I remember one in particular where they had a, it was basically an Inferno match. Ooh. And I know you've seen this, yeah, where yeah. they they wrapped the ropes in like this cloth mm-hmm. 
Do you remember that? Yeah, it was uh, and barbed wire. It and, almost yeah fire. <laughs> yeah, but they they wrapped it all around and they just lit lit the ropes or the barbed wire on fire and this really like the soaked cloth and the wind blew the wrong way. <laughs> so I can remember. Being Do you remember a- this? And like the wind was. I mean, the fire was blowing in on them as they were standing in the middle of the ring. And they just had to they had to run for their lives basically. So we didn't talk we didn't touch on magazines too much, but I can remember being a kid and seeing like Pro oh, Wrestling man. Illustrated in like, you know, ninety two or ninety three and they yeah. would they would have pictures of these crazy things that were going on over there. <laughs> and it was like it made for the most like you know, like, Oh my gosh, what in the world is this? And you're seeing these pictures yeah. with all these crazy things and it's like There was a guy bleeding on the front of it. Yeah. Yeah, was, you're like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I loved. I mean, heck, dude. Let's, well, let's talk about magazines after our last match. I, did you have one more? Or no, that's that's mainly it. Okay. You no, know, I I'll give an, an honorable mention to squash matches. Okay. Just all of them because it's a, it's a shame all of them. you don't see them so much anymore. But you know the Mm-mm. kind of the the schlub local enhancement guy, the jobber <laughs> that kind of goes out there. He's got no muscles. He's just kind of a rag doll. <laughs> and then I mean the guys get to basically show off all their moves on the poor the poor schmo yeah they do that every once in a while but yeah it's it's definitely rare um my last pick was a uh, beach blast 92 it was a 30 minute iron man match between rick rude and ricky steamboat and i remember the build to this match and everything because uh during the build to it rick rude breaks ricky steamboat's nose by slamming his face into the concrete oh yeah um, I think it was on like Saturday night or something, but I remember seeing that as a kid and that's the very first time I had ever seen blood, which I, I'm pretty sure, I think that might've been rigged. I don't think that was really his blood because his face goes under the, under the ring apron and then he comes back out and he has blood on his face. So I don't know if he really broke his nose or not, but maybe I'm wrong. But I remember that. I remember that shocking me as a kid. Sure. Cause I, I was like, Oh my God, you know, it's, he just, really hurt the guy so i was really looking forward to that match and it's a great match it's a great grudge match and um just another one of those matches that the styles are work so well together oh for sure um because ricky steamboat was like the super baby face and uh i want to say i don't think it was this match i know when one of their matches rick rude came out and <laughs> he took his robe off and he had like ricky steamboat's wife's <laughs> face like on his crotch or something oh my gosh <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> It's <laughs> just like that's just kind of messed up, Rick Rude. Yeah. But his name is Rick Rude. I mean, come on. But uh, yeah, that's my last match that you know I kind of want to discuss from the ninety ninety five era. Those are some that stood out to me. Yeah, what, and good list too, man. Those solid list for sure. Oh, for sure. And yeah, these don't you know necessarily have to be the the greatest you know things of all time. Just things that we really dug. Yeah. But as far as um, just real quick, I mean the ninety ninety five era, I. I was a huge WCW magazine guy. I would always go to uh, either Books a Million or we had this place downtown that uh, sold magazines. So I would always go get the new one. And I still have a bunch of them, like somewhere. Yeah, I'd get them too. Um, Like I never wanted to subscribe because then they'd have like the stickers and they get all roughed up in the mail. So so I'd go buy (laughs) them at the grocery store. And of course, you'd usually go read them while your parents are shopping or whatever. Yes. Yes. No, they were fun, man. And it's funny, like back in the day, you don't even think about it now. Like the entire magazine was basically, you know, kayfabe. I mean, oh, sure. It, it, was, it wasn't like it was an actual 
article written. You know, it was basically just guys just making up stuff on the fly. But, you know, they came with posters with them. I always loved the posters. and Oh, for sure. And the pictures of everything and results. and Yeah. Oh, yeah, the pay-per-view results. Yeah. Yeah, and well, that you was could fun. kind of find out what was going on and like other, like, you know, the indie kind of companies and stuff like that. And Oh, yeah, like Pro Wrestling Illustrated for sure. That was really the best one because, I mean, yeah. like you said, it kind of covered everybody. So For sure. Yeah, those cool. were great. Well, as far as any, um, I guess, kind of honorable mention, just wrestlers that maybe weren't part of your matches that you want to mention during that time period? Um, probably, so I'd say probably the Steiners, and then probably like um, yeah. probably Arn Anderson and uh, Barry Windham. Barry Windham was amazing, dude. Barry Windham could have been even bigger than he was. For sure. Honestly. I've, I mean, I've, I've got the impression later that maybe he was just a little bit lazy. Um Oh, really? had a ton of like natural ability and uh he was he just seemed really cool yeah yeah he was he did pretty good in uh later wcw too i remember he kind of came back a little bit and um really looked looked like he hadn't lost a step yeah he was part of the west oh that's right the west texas rednecks i'd, I'd almost <laughs> i forgot he was a part of that yeah that was pretty cool yeah. actually with uh kurt henning yeah I was always a huge Bobby Eaton fan. Yeah. And I kind of mentioned him earlier, but man, I just a raw wrestler. I mean, and honestly, he had one of the scariest special moves in the history of wrestling with the, uh, the Alabama jam, the flying leg drop off the top rope. Yeah. Can you imagine taking that and not just (sighs) scary? I'd have a heart attack, man. I know. Like (laughs) rewatching it. It's like, I mean, it it looks really devastating, but you can also tell that it's like he's probably got his foot bent in a way that he's you know he's not killing the guy. Oh yeah, but I'm saying, what if he misses? Exactly right, <laughs> it lands on your head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Steiner brothers were awesome, man. Just Scott's ability to pull off some of these moves mixed with Rick, just brute strength. It's insane. It's crazy. I mean, they were uh, they were just super creative. They probably didn't really they didn't really care much for their opponents' well being. In retrospect. Oh, no, they, they they beat the heck out of people. For sure. Yeah, I mean, their feud with the Nasty Boys was really fun. That was an honorable mention. And, uh, if, we're, if we're going way back, they had a really? Halloween Havoc 1990. They were in Chicago. Yes, and, I know the exact match. You, yeah. And the crowd is completely insane. And yes. It was Big Frankensteiner at the end, which was the coolest move in you know that time period. Well, especially for a guy that size. It's freakish. Um, if you look on YouTube, there's actually a video of him from like the late 80s doing a, um, I believe it was like a shooting star press. It was it was either that or a really? 450. It was something completely insane. And, and yeah, from the late 80s, like he was still like in an indie group and he pulled that off. It was insane to see. He's a nut. Yeah. But yeah, super creative. There's a video of... Um I think it might have been in a clash of the champions of in Rick Steiner, German suplexes Vader, but he does it in such a way that you would think Vader weighed like 165 pounds. It's, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And he just, you know, no big deal, but, um, and of course, cactus Jack, you mentioned him earlier. Um, I thought he was, I mean, he took some of the most unprotected crazy bumps in WCW, honestly, because that's that's when they went through their whole we don't have mats around the ring thing. That so that was nuts when you kind of look back at that history where it's like uh, when Bill Watts came in and whatever it was ninety two or ninety three and said well 
these are real men. They're tough. We're going to take the mats off the ring. It's like, no, what if they slip on a beer or a Coke on the, or sweat on the ground and crack their heads on the concrete? Insane. But, of course, Cactus Jack says, oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> Just push me off the top rope back first onto the concrete. Okay. But he had a ton cool. of charisma, too. Oh, yeah. We kind of had to, but yeah. <laughs> he looked like death. Yeah. His matches are his tag matches with Kevin Sullivan. Have you ever seen some of those? Cactus and uh, Sullivan, like against the Nasty Boys, man. I vaguely remember that, but not well. Uh, what 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 stood out? Well, I'm I sure mean, they were nuts. Insanity, yeah. Oh shoot, <laughs> I mean, that's right. I do remember the one where he got smacked in the head a bunch with like a shovel or something. Yes, yeah. I think that's the match. Yikes. Or, may, or maybe I think that's him and uh, Max Payne. I think against the oh, Nasty that's Boys. It. Yeah, old Max Payne. I've seen that one. That was brutal. Yeah. Um, Harlem Heat, I got to mention them. I mean, early 90s was when they were kind of coming up. Uh, Colonel Robert Parker, and then later with Sister Sherry. And I liked Harlem Heat. I thought, I thought they were awesome. I am thinking of the, uh, you've seen the video with Booker T talking about Hulk Hogan, right? Hulk Hogan, I'm coming for you. Yeah. That's right, that one. That's a classic. The funniest uh, yeah, part right? is Sherry's uh, reaction. <laughs> She's like, oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hulk Hogan, Greg Valentine. I got to mention him. I was a huge Greg Valentine fan. Just once again, kind of like with Eaton, he was just a gruff, short, kind of pudgy <laughs> wrestler, you. you know? Trained by Stu Hart, which I actually didn't, I didn't know, know that, that until recently. That. Yeah. But uh, just really old school style. And yeah, I mean, those are just. And Dr. Death, I mentioned, I already talked about him, but um, just a great guy. And his stuff with uh, Terry Gordy was really good. And, um, his uh, stuff over in Japan was great. And so, Hardly. anybody else? Well, how, about, as as? Uh, how about stunning Steve Austin? I was a big fan uh, of the Hollywood Blondes. Same here. They were yeah. ahead of their time. They were, I mean, they were they were funny heels. They were charismatic yeah. heels, right? I think they broke them up too soon. They they were they had a big feud with. Uh, they had one with uh, them with uh, with uh, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, and they just that's it was true. Some of the funniest promos. Really, I need to watch oh, some gosh. of those. Yeah, you can kind of see the uh, like you can see that Austin was like you know going to be special. Yeah, yeah. I always love the uh, the stun gun special moves. I was thinking about that too. Like, I mean, the, obviously the stunner was, you know, super cool. I mean, the, yeah. kind of the most famous move of all time pretty much. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, the stun gun was awesome back in the day. You know what move I've never seen anybody do lately is where they'll, this is really off topic kind of, but they'll pick them up for a suplex, but they'll go halfway and they'll bounce them off the rope and then hit the suplex. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yes. Uh, slingshot suplex. Yeah. Slingshot. Yeah. No one ever uses that anymore. I don't know. That's a shame. I just <laughs> no. I just randomly thought of that because <laughs> the stun gun. He would pick him up and fall backwards, and he would go like neck first on the ropes. I think. Yeah, that's right. So, anyone else as far as wrestlers before we kind of kind of close it out here? Um, you know, one that like you brought up uh, that SummerSlam in Wembley Stadium. Remember Legion of Doom, Road Warriors. On the motorcycles, yeah. That was was that the coolest entrance ever, or well, maybe one of the. There was no pyro, right? <laughs> no, no. But I remember that had one of the longest entrances. I think like entrance ramps, you know. Yeah, but yeah, they were. I mean, their matches were, you know, the, the music and, I mean, it was just devastating. And you know, we didn't bring up the warrior. 
we didn't bring up the Ultimate Warrior, but that was kind of in the oh, same vein. Man. And when you're when you're young and it's you know they've got like the crazy fast music and the face paint <laughs> and like just the hard hitting fast matches, it's just yeah awesome when you're a kid. I remember his match against Hogan when he when he won the belt from Hogan. I remember yeah. the entrance way was like half a mile long. Yeah, and I think Vader or I think Warrior was completely gassed out when he got I to the ring because so. he he ran the entire way. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. No, War- Warrior for the time was once again just one of those, he appealed to kids, you know. Oh, and for sure. He couldn't yeah. do a lot in the ring, but kind of crazy. But For sure. Yeah, I went back and rewatched the, uh, you know, him and Hogan at WrestleMania a few weeks ago. and Yeah. I mean, yeah, Warrior was rough. But man, that was probably one of his best character. matches, really. I, I, mean. I know. Yeah, Hogan could work if he had to. I mean, he, yeah. he just didn't he didn't need to most of the time. Warrior had some decent stuff with Savage too. Oh, that's true, and I'm sure Savage kind of planned all that stuff out. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Warrior was calling spots. Exactly. <laughs> I wish I could um, do a good Savage impression, but <laughs> I could try, but it would be terrible. It'd be on par with my uh my Wookiee impression. <laughs> just rough. Um Undertaker, you gotta mention him real quick. Oh, his stuff his stuff with that? Kamala was really fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember they had their casket match. That was great. But uh, he had a good uh, feud with Flair too. When Flair was in WWF for a short time, Undertaker and Flair. Yeah, I yeah. I, I forgot that. I don't honestly. I don't remember if it was like a feud, like a. But I remember they had a match, and it was. I remember it was good. Um, Taker against Jake the Snake at WrestleMania Eight was pretty memorable. I always love the stuff with Kamala. I don't know why. I just, because Kamala was scared to death of Taker, and he would hear the gong, and he would just dive out of the ring. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It was always funny to me. But um, anybody else? I don't want to miss out on anybody for you. Um, I'm thinking that mainly covers, you know, pretty much everybody. Okay. Now, what we're going to do is I thought, did you come up with any uh, – we're calling it the Friday Five Podcast Wrestling Awards here. It's oh. going to be our... Did you come up with any? Uh, which categories? Uh, best wrestler, best match, and um, best feud. From 90 to 95. For yeah. me, best, best wrestler. And it, it was, it's only based on memory and really based on being like a kid that was a fan and not actual like work rate or, or yeah. worky things that an adult would think of. I'd have to go with Sting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he was kind of the face of 90 through 95. For sure. And kind of carried the company. He was kind of the, he was the rock. Yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. As in, like, he was the, not like the rock, like Dwayne Johnson, but like he was like, he was the, the guy. Backbone. The franchise, right? Yeah, never left. For best wrestler for 90 to 95, I, I would go with Ric Flair, which is kind of, you know, linked to yeah. Sting, basically. Um, I think that was probably like some of his best work i mean his stuff in the 80s was of course classic too but uh yeah rick flair was all over the place in the early 90s that's so, really true as far as best match what would you say that's kind of a hard that's, one but yeah it is <laughs> you know so so not to get too far off on a tangent and one thing i noticed oh, from watching a lot of the wcw main events from that time period uh-huh. i'm thinking they called these things in the ring for the most part um just kind of go out there and figure it out as you go yeah. Uh, because a lot of times the finishes were just kind of like, oh, wow, 
cross body block, small package, like just <laughs> roll up, kind of yeah, sl- yeah, or you know something goofy. And uh, whereas the WWF, they really scripted their stuff out mm. um, and really planned it. So I would have to think it would probably be something from like mid nineties WWF. I mean, maybe even Sean and Razor ladder match, or uh, maybe something with Bret Hart around that time period. What do you think? I mean, that's a great pick. Yeah, I mean. um when was the Brett Sean Iron Man? Was that ninety? 90- I looked. I think it might have been ninety six. Okay, yeah, I think you might be right. But no, the ladder match would be a great pick. That was that's the first ladder match I ever saw. Yeah, same here. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. I mean, that's one of the best, really. Yeah, and that was at WrestleMania ten. Yeah, right? with the X. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the big X at the entrance. As far as best match, I went with uh, Starcade '93 for the WCW Heavyweight Title, Flair versus Vader. I need to rewatch that. That one's that one's so pretty good. well regarded, right? Yeah, and you know, once again, the matchup of styles was so different. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you could not ask for any. I mean, you could not get any more different than that. And um, I just thought it worked, man. It it worked really, really well, and it it set up another match. I think they had a cage match after that. Like a Thunderdome cage match or something, but uh, the build-up was really great to that too, right? Because that was when Flair yes. came back to WCW. Yeah, yeah, it was Flair kind of uh, seeing if he still had it, and I think it was done like <laughs> in '93. <laughs> he was doing, yeah, well, he was doing like these Rocky montages and stuff, and um, and I think it was in, it might have been in Charlotte. Oh um, yeah, that's right, it was, and yeah, I mean. Uh, that was a great match and which is Vader, perfect you know pummeled him yeah it's worth a watch for sure what would you say the best feud for you would be like just a kind of a blood feud type thing as goofy as it sounds like there was always like from a wcw perspective it would always end up being flair versus sting flair or sting versus mm-hmm. the horseman like uh, before hogan got there you know for a three or four year stretch that was kind of the one so that's the one I was thinking of. And of course it made you know, made for some great matches. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the ones Sting was in always ended up being really hardcore grudge matches. Him invader, flair, and yeah. yeah. That's a good pick. How about you? Um I'm g- gonna go with Brett versus Owen. Oh was, there you go. That lasted a while. Um they had the WrestleMania ten match and then there was a uh, I think it was a SummerSlam, they had a really good cage match with the uh the old school blue the big blue cage looked awesome, but probably almost concussed half the guys that were in it and actually took a headshot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that, that also, uh, yielded the great, uh, like Owen, uh, botch where he, uh, he said something about like, uh, Brett, you're so selfish and you kicked your leg from out from under your own leg or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're too selfish. You just want to put your sharpshooter on. I could have won the match. I don't need you with a bad leg doing a Brett. You're too damn selfish, and that's why you're sitting there with a bad leg, and that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. I yeah, I go back and rewatch those because at the time I could remember that. Yeah, they were great, and and they should be. Oh yeah, I mean they're came from the same blood, trained by the same guy. I mean, just uh, their in ring work was just amazing. I mean, Owen was so good. Oh, that's for why sure. it was just such a shame that he you know left us so soon, but. Yeah, good list. Yeah, good stuff. I think we covered uh, 
a good bit of stuff. We're on the two hour mark here. <laughs> oh gosh. But, uh, man, it was fun, dude. I, I really appreciate, appreciate you coming on. I, I know that you're a big wrestling guy like me and I've, I, uh, I'm always up to discuss it. So I think we're going to aim for 96 through 2000 for our next episode, which, um, you know, two, three weeks, maybe we can get together and get that one knocked out. And, uh, that one should be interesting because that's when it really starts getting into the uh, the Attitude Era and all that kind of stuff. Monday Night Wars. Yeah, WCW starts getting worse and worse. Uh, ECW <laughs> rises from the ashes a little bit and becomes more oh popular. My gosh, yeah, yeah, that's that's when it was uh, less geeky to be a wrestling fan, right? You actually saw people that uh, you know you know were into. Yeah, it. we're just gonna do a two hour episode on New Jack. Oh gosh! <laughs> Where do we start? <laughs> well, the, uh, yeah the the answer will just be uh, like uh, he was high at all times. Yeah, yeah, he was on a lot of drugs and uh, actually tried to kill his opponents. So, Whew. well, my son is at the baby gate in my room doing like the ultimate warrior thing, like the robes. So I think that's my signal to go. You're getting but, the go uh, home cue. I'm getting the go home cue from him. As, yeah, as Steve Austin would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, man, thanks a lot, Will. I really appreciate it. I, I had a lot of fun, man. I hope you had fun. Yeah, me too. That was uh, awesome. Doing it. And, um, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. And, like I said, part two will be out, I don't know, a few weeks. I'm not going to give a date for anything anymore because <laughs> it usually doesn't work out. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right, guys. Take care, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. 